0: Hey guys, welcome back to The Waterlad Podcast. I'm James Marshall and thanks for tuning into another episode. Or if this is your first time, well then welcome to the show. Anyway, before I get into this one, a quick mention of our partners who have made this podcast possible. Firstly, Pomeroy's who have created The Waterlad Coffee Bean and what a brew that is. Also Pure Sports CBD, who is helping everyone who has given that product a go. And of course, Todd's Racing, what a lad and what a trainer, Regan Todd is. All the information and discounts for any of those products are all over on waterlad.com, so make sure you head over to that website and go and check them out. Anyway, I've got a great one for you today, so let's roll the intro. Oh, what a lad. Now, since the name of the podcast is called What a Lad, I'm often asked, why have I just had Rugby Lads on? Well, not anymore. I'm branching out and I've gone straight to the top with one of New Zealand's best lads. He's arguably New Zealand's top comedian and he's done it all. He's won the Billy T Award for comedy. He's been the face of TV in New Zealand and the voice of radio in New Zealand. He's also been voted the sexiest man in New Zealand in 2014. (laughs) He's also had his own song, Make the Charts, reaching number two in New Zealand. (laughs) And of course, he now has his very own TV show, New Zealand Today, which is one of the great laughs. It is, of course, Nelson's finest, Guy Williams.
1: So good to be here, bro. So good to be here. And there were so many things about that intro that were so wrong. (laughs) I'm so excited. You said one of New Zealand's top, or arguably New Zealand's top comedian. You can't argue that at all. You'd go, okay, well, if you don't count the the ones who have passed away, Billy T, R.I.P., um, John Clark. Then you go Fly the Concords, Rose Matafeo, you know, Ursula Carlson, uh, Di Henwood. The list is so long. I'm like 45 down Jimmy Jackson on Facebook. I'm so far down.
0: <laughs> Mate, it's someone's opinion. Lots of people said you're the best comedian in New Zealand. Yeah, so. and a
1: lot of people say I'm the worst as well. That's let <laughs> <laughs>
0: me grab your interested He's the He's w- arguably the worst comedian in New Zealand. It's guy. But I'm so stoked to be here, man. Mate, stoked to have you on. It's great to have someone a little bit different. I mean, a comedian, uh, someone who's funny, I guess. Yeah, no offence, but have you not had a woman on this podcast? <laughs> it is called It is called What a Lad. But... You've done 100 episodes.
1: You can interview one woman. A woman can be a lad, can't they? What is this... What is this like future dystopia where women don't exist in this world? <laughs> <laughs> no, it,
0: it is in the pipeline, to be fair. I, 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 you have stitched yourself up with the title What a Lad, yeah. but yeah.
1: Well, I'm sure it will be it'll be fine, yeah, you know
0: we'll get there, I'm sure, and it's gonna probably absolutely blow up, isn't it when the when the first woman does come on, what a lad it's gonna be, well, no, feature. based on this like
1: weird like incel following you've probably got <laughs> <laughs> now, sorry to the followers, you're the best um uh I, it'll probably be your worst ever rating one because we're inherently sexist in society, but um you'll you know times are changing slowly, and we're moving forward hopefully to a brighter tomorrow or <laughs> Based on the way America's going, we're heading backwards at a rate of
0: knots. (laughs) We will see. But anyway, mate, you heard the jingle. What did you think of the jingle? That was so good. Did you sing that? Who sung that? No, that was actually um, Alex Harmer. Yeah. I put it onto the Instagram and someone decided to make that. It That's
1: was- so good. I mean, whoever owns the rights to that music will sue your ass as soon as you get big enough. No. But um, until then, <laughs> rock that song. Rock that song. Good on you, man.
0: Mate, it's good to get an opinion, obviously, from someone who's been right up there on the New Zealand chart.
1: I'm, I'm one of the best comedians in New Zealand, according to this <laughs> podcast.
0: And musicians. I mean, the song, the Pigeon song. Oh, the-
1: My Brother's Talented. And I was, most of my accomplishments were just like wacky things we did on radio. So the way you said I was Sexiest Man, and people would listen to that and go, How is that a thing? I wasn't really Sexiest Man. I was more best at voting for himself thousands of times (laughs) on the internet. The TV Guide, it was like a popularity contest. And I got um, all the listeners to the radio station to, um, to vote for me. That's how I did that. I basically rigged it. I beat TJ from Shorten Street, one of the um one of the sexiest dudes of all time. Also a bit of a douche, but a uh, sexy dude. <laughs> so I was, I was stoked to beat him. Yeah. Um
0: and it, well, you obviously beat Sonny Bill as well. Is that sort be, of how the beef started? Beat <laughs> Bill.
1: I love Sonny Bill. People always hit me up. There's a few things people always yeah, talk me me about. To My interview with the Munger Mob and Sonny Bill is the one that people always talk about. And I can I say for the record I love Sonny Bill and think he genuinely is the best. Yeah. There's so many things that are good about Sonny Bill and the way I met him was because he was literally the best dude. I would go to the All Blacks, John and Ben, I was on a show called John and Ben, they would send me to All Blacks press conferences. We weren't allowed to be there. I'd have no credentials. I'd get in trouble with the bosses every time. And there's a few people who are really nice to me. One was Izzy Dag; he was the best guy. Like yeah. he was just like so supportive, and like would come and you know give me a few answers. And the other was Sonny Bill, and Sonny Bill took it to another level. Not only would he ask, answer my questions, he would give me like gold. Like, and I was interviewing James McConey, I remember from uh, Crowd Goes Wild behind the scenes, and um, out of nowhere, Sonny Bill came and just took, put me in a headlock, you know, yeah. and instantly that like made my segment because it was like. Sonny Bill, who was like the god of New Zealand at the time, um, was like playing along and like having a laugh. And I was so appreciative of that. And he literally made my career. My career only like took off from there. And then, um, yeah, I mocked him a few times, went too far. I peeved him off. And I don't think he was too peeved. He just like blocked me on Twitter because he was sick of me, you know, sick of hearing about me basically. And then I, you know, I said some things that I maybe shouldn't have. He maybe was a bit too, he'd probably admit he was a bit too sensitive too. Yeah. And um, from there, it just went bad. And I feel bad because people think that like I hate on Sonny Bill because a lot of people do hate on him. Um, that, I mean, there's, I'd love to get into that. But um, I don't hate Sunny Bill at all. I genuinely love the guy and owe him a lot because he helped make my career, man. Mm. What a lovely, lovely dude. And um, I stalked him to Japan twice. <laughs> the sick. first time, he was stoked to see me. The second time, he was just like, bro, why are you, here? <laughs> why are you, get a life? Like, is there nothing else going in your career? And the answer, Sonny, it was no, there is nothing else going on in my career. But he was, he was, he was um, cordial. He was great both times. It was one of the, like the best things I've ever done. Plus I got to go to Japan. Yeah. Amazing. And uh, I'd love to ask you about Japan, but I'd love to say this about Sonny as well. Like what he's done for like the Muslim community in New Zealand is genuinely amazing. People don't know about that, but like, I have friends um, who are Muslim in Auckland and they like, Sonny Bill is their mate kind of thing. And it is a big deal when you consider how much like Islamophobia is in New Zealand and how much – we don't understand that religion. I remember yeah. he became a professional rugby player. We switched from league. People were already hating him on the, there, but then um, – his religion became like a big thing because they're like, oh, because of uh, fasting and stuff like that. Yeah. And instead of like talking to Muslim people and trying to learn about the religion, people just speculated that he wouldn't be able to do it and he proved everyone wrong. You know, like he's been a great contributor to New Zealand rugby. I think he won two World Cups, right? Yeah. He's been a hell of a contributor and kind of like proved all the critics wrong every step along the way. And a lot of the, Hatred towards him, I think, is based on his religion and, you know, being a a, a strong Pacific Islander. I genuinely believe that. I'm sorry, I go so serious in the podcast so soon. That's good. But my, my, even my own parents, I love my parents, but they, you know, they hate on Sonny Bill for no reason whatsoever. And I remember my mum, this is horrific, but like weird. My mum was like, Sonny Bill, he's never smiling or something like that, you know, like kind of, I don't know, kind of weirdly having a go at Islam. And she's like, look at this. And she showed me a photo on the paper. And it was literally Sonny Bill at the, Memorial service for Christchurch. Mum's like, he's not smiling. Of course he's not smiling. Like, <laughs> what? How is that? You know, like, and it's just like, we just pick any reason to pick apart, especially our top athletes and especially Sonny Bill. And I always think, like, what really is the reason why you're hating on him? Because it can't be because of his record. Because he's, you know, he's been a great rugby league player, great rugby player. And shit, he saved my career. So yeah. I, um, I owe a lot to Sonny Bill. Sorry to go on a rant, but I love that Mate, guy. that was a
0: good rant. But yeah. you, talk, you, did, you did speak about um, the segment where you did go over to Japan and see him. How staged was that? Because, man, that looked extremely awkward. Oh,
1: so awkward. No, 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 no not, not staged at all. Rugby press conferences are really tense. Yeah. And I don't know why it is. Maybe you can shed some light on that. I don't know why it is, but do you remember – I remember the 2011 Rugby World Cup and New Zealand's was so clenched and so tense because we hadn't won since 87 mm. – and I remember there was one press conference where Ali Williams and Sonny Bill were joking. Was it Ali Williams and Sonny Bill? Were joking around before like a semi final or something like that in the press conference. And literally a journalist told them off like he was their son or something. It was the the weirdest thing. I remember it was Jim Kays and they're like, why are you laughing before a semi final? It's because we're professional athletes and we're human and we're trying to like, you know, lighten up. Like it's just, it's rugby at the end of the day. And um, I'm so glad that those guys did it and they did it with a smile on their face and you can enjoy life and be good at rugby. Like, both those things exist. (laughs) Do you
0: remember that? (laughs) Or you ask why they do that. that. That is exactly why they would be so serious and why it would be so intense in there because you've got journalists like that calling people out or they can take clips from any segment like, and make you look like you're not taking it seriously.
1: Yeah, and that becomes a story, right? Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, like like Sonny Bill's not ready for the big game kind of thing. And that was yeah. so interesting to me because I would try when – when the players weren't available, I would try and interview other journalists and they were all such interesting people. Like, there's a lot of good rugby journalists in New Zealand, a lot of people I really respect, but some of them were just absolute weirdos, eh? And they mm. took it – like, rugby for them was, like, life or death. And I understand that it's a religion in this country, but, like – a week out for the game, you're allowed to have a few casual jokes, especially if it helps your performance on the field, you know? Yeah. Do you know – so that's so that's your explanation. Well, that's why it's so tense. It's because the media will literally clip you out of context. I'd, I'd
0: imagine so, yeah, because I know a lot of guys, when they go to the media, um, they don't want to give them anything just in case it gets taken out of context. So yeah. That's why I'm hoping – like, things like podcasts and stuff are starting to grow because guys trust the – guy who's on the other end of the podcast and we can have a bit Loosen
1: up a little bit pat, yeah pat it's more of sad, a real chat. Yeah. and that's what i liked about Sonny sunny bill is he did um, he was when i first met him especially he was just loose as a goose you know he'd been over australia where things are a bit more fun and um yeah he just like bring brought a bit of fun to the game eh i always yeah found him one of the funniest players and one of the smartest players as well
0: yeah but you guys get along now,
1: or uh, the- yeah, good question. I always <laughs> want to tell my loving, but I think he got sick of my shit. like, you know, like I did like five segments where I would show up out of the blue, yeah. And I think eventually it was like, all right, mate, the jokes played out, but I was like, not for me, mate. I'll milk this for all it's worth. And bro, those trips were so good because literally, I think Air New Zealand might have helped pay for the flights or whatever it was, but Jono and Ben. The show, they paid for me to go to Japan. So it was like, you know, four days in Japan. Mm. We got Sonny on the first day because they split the All Blacks up and like oh, half yeah. the All Blacks went to England early. And while the B team, or, or not the B team, but the, like the, the rest of the players stayed and played Japan. Yeah. And so I had to get Sonny Bill. So I got up at like three o'clock in the morning, stalked out his hotel until I got him. And then I had like three days in Japan. <laughs> we went to Disneyland. We went to Shinjuku. We tried to get into a... Um, They have these amazing clubs in Japan where – you've been to Japan, right? Yeah, yeah. They have these clubs where um, it's not like a – there's nothing sexual about it. I don't – or maybe it is. I don't know. (laughs) But it's like you just go there and just have a date with a beautiful person. So men go there and they have like a woman who will just like laugh at your jokes and stuff. But women have that too. And we saw this club and it was like um, pictures of – we couldn't really tell what was going on with their – you know, we didn't want to – there's just men who were very effeminate looking with beautiful makeup and stuff Mm. on on the wall. And we're like, we've got it. Whatever this club is. I want (laughs) to see what's going on here. And uh, we walked in and there was a man there in like a tuxedo, very well dressed. And he was like, get out, get out. He couldn't speak English and we couldn't speak Japanese. He's like, you got to leave now. And I think it's probably cause they get like either drunken tourists coming in for a laugh or gay people, maybe homophobic. I don't know what's going on there, but um, it was literally men like boyfriends and a woman, after work, you go in and you just hang out with this nice guy who's nice to you. And you pay money. And there's no nothing you don't kiss or yeah, touch or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. And I, just, I found that so interesting. Yeah. But um, kind of cool as well. I don't know what. But um, yeah, there was Japan, awesome place. Mm. You
0: you lived there. lived there for two Six month periods and yeah, That's, I never got to one of those places but I had heard about them and I found it pretty weird.
1: And I know a Kiwi chick, uh makeup artist up in Auckland who worked in one and she was like, celebrities would come in, like I had Mick Jagger, uh, Britney Spears came in, oh, really? like yeah, it was like quite amazing, I, scary because she said the one she worked at was like run by like the mob, oh, but yeah, but yeah, it was like quite amazing because... um She's white with blonde hair. Like, apparently that was, like, a, a, a rare, obviously because Japanese people with dark hair, yeah. it was like a rarity. Yeah. So she was like, uh, the whole thing sounds mind-blowing to me and mm. scary, but, um, yeah, pretty special. And then after that, all the clubs, strip clubs, everything, we couldn't get into the strip club. Or tried to get into, I shouldn't embarrass, I shouldn't admit that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we, were, we had nothing to do in Japan. we got Sunnyville, but we wanted to go, we, they didn't let us in anywhere. Um, Karaoke and, surely uh, I don't even know Like because like In Shinjuku like, It's like if you don't speak The language You're not allowed in Kind of thing mm. I, I could be wrong They just saw my goof, goofy head Coming and like Get the hell out We <laughs> yeah. weren't allowed anywhere We tried to get into The women's club We tried to get into The men's club No club would let us in And then um, The trains finish at midnight So every club and bath for close at midnight That's yeah. what I heard Yeah But then the batting cage is open all night. (laughs) So we went for a bat. And that's so cool. It's like an American movie from the, I really enjoyed that. And apparently businessmen do that. If you've like stuffed up your night, you live out in the suburbs, you don't want to go home. So you just go do batting cage from like (laughs) (laughs) midnight to like 6am and then go to work again. It's it's Japanese ingenuity, man. It's genius. So good. Oh, that's living.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What was your, did you, did you enjoy Japan or you like all business and stuff? Nah, we we loved it because it wasn't, so much business the rugby pressure was off the training hours were very limited and um, had heaps of family time heaps of chance to go and explore Japan and see what it was and uh, the family all loved it so they missed it a little bit but um, you do get annoyed with some parts of the Japanese culture but
1: here we go. Let's let's let's, let's kick that off. <laughs> Is this going to take a weird racist twist?
0: What's going on? What, what's nah, what's annoying about I this? Guess it's things like um, just things that we're used to here in terms of cash. Everything's cash. Everything's paper written. Everything just seems to take forever. So like, if you need to get something, you've got to go through about ten different people. Yeah, all the bureaucracy. A yeah, massive list of things, and then you've got to have all your paperwork sorted, which. When you're used to it here, you just got your sort of ID and your yeah. card and you hand it over and the, everything gets done. Where
1: That's a thing we take for granted in New Zealand, how lax everything is. Even when you go to the States as well, it's like they have so many, you know, you go to a sports game, you got to go through a metal detector. Yeah. I think just a bigger population means you've got to be stricter, but yeah, Japanese bureaucracy. The irony of that is Japan's like famous for the opposite, right? They're famous for vending machines and bullet trains. Yeah, yeah. So that's really interesting that I've never lived there. Like as a tourist, it's very easy, but as a local, what, what sort of stuff are we trying to get that required papers oh, like to drive? Any- Driver's like,
0: license. A, like a license, like even you've got to register your car. You, it's or every car on the road has to have its own car park and it has to have proof by the police and things like that. Even trying to get internet or TV, you've got to go through so many paper trails.
1: Do you know what's so interesting though is like um, you know I was just think of the cliche thing about Japan. People always talk about the vending machines, mm. but. Um, I don't know if there actually is, you know, people always joke about there being a used penny vending machine or something like that. I don't, I don't know if that's maybe it is, maybe it is. I mean, I mean, yeah, who knows? But um, the uh, the thing that interests me is that I, I distinctly remember I'm pretty sure cigarettes and beer from vending
0: machines,
1: yeah. and I was so interested in is that is that true? Is that, yeah, is yeah. That, okay. You can
0: get beer. I'm not sure about cigarettes anymore, but maybe.
1: Okay, so my point being is that like everywhere in the world you go seems to have, except for maybe America, it seems to have a, like a. a a more mature response to drinking Mm. than New Zealand. It's like in New Zealand, we've literally, I remember the Wellington sevens, they like closed it down because New Zealand like couldn't just like, (laughs) you know, like just slow it down a little bit, you know? And it's like so interesting. And in Japan, they're literally selling alcohol out of vending machines. Like if we did that in New Zealand, people would (laughs) die, you know? Like, it's like, it's, Every country in the world, and you go to like um, Italy and stuff, and kids are just drinking wine in the street, and you're yeah. like, "That kid's not 18 or whatever," yeah, yeah. but they seem to be
0: uh, like, handling it better than we are. It's like yeah. we i don't
1: know what's wrong with us. eh? we're a bit—we're a bit off the, off the rocker a little bit. I think, yeah.
0: And, and you don't drink either, do you? So that's an nah. interesting one to chat about. Yeah. So what am
1: I doing at the batting cage at 2 a.m.? <laughs> just having
0: a good—you can have a good time without
1: alcohol, guys. Yeah. Yeah, or drugs. Yeah. Sorry, what you going to you going to ask something.
0: Yeah, so like the reasoning for you to not drink and I mean you've already got the confidence of someone who's pretty much hammered already but <laughs> um, <laughs> how, like how have you what's the reasoning behind you not drinking I guess? Oh, it's a bit of a
1: it's a bit of a long story, but um, alcohol issues run in my family. Yeah. So I like saw at quite a young age, not my parents, but um, you know, grandparents and stuff battle with addiction and how that can change people and how that can affect people. Yeah. And also, um, so my mum basically just like scared me out of it when I was like at high school and stuff like that. So I didn't drink. Yeah. And then through that time when you don't drink, you see all the negative repercussions. And so that kind of reinforces your stereotype. Mm-hmm. Like I saw kids do crazy stuff at high school. I saw um, things at you, you know, I used to come back from basketball practice at like 9pm um, to the uni hostel and there'd just be a whole bunch of. Um, people in their rooms crying because, yeah. like, you know, their boyfriend had cheated on them, or um, someone had punched them in town. It yeah. was just kind of like I saw like the the, the bad aftermath yeah, that you yeah, see yeah. when you're sober, yeah. and um, that really kind of like um, shook me a little bit. Yeah, yeah. it was just kind of it was just kind of eye opening. And so from there, comedy is like riddled with like alcohol and drug problems. Obviously, almost every famous comedian um, besides now getting. Being like a weird creep, Um, but also so many famous comedians have so struggled with drugs and alcohol. It's um, yeah, it's a big, it's a big problem. So it just yeah became a no brainer.
0: Have you ever had pressure to feel like you need to take it?
1: Massively, massively, Yeah. yeah, bro, all the way through uni and stuff like that. And I used to just it was easy. I just used to have a beer, one beer the whole night, not even finish like the neck of it, just occasionally take a sip and just, yeah. if you had a beer in your hand, it like solved the problem. Occasionally I'd like just have a can of baked beans. No one would even notice as long as you, the only time people comment on it is if your hands are empty, then people are like, what's going on here? But if you've just got something in your hand, people just won't question you. It could be just a glass of water. It's sweet. Yeah.
0: A can of baked beans. Surely not.
1: And also if your friends are going to like be assholes about it, um if, if friends are going to be assholes about it, they're probably not that good friends. You know, people do worry if you if you're not drinking and they are drinking, they get um, – they think you're judging them, which yeah. you, you're not do- – oh, okay, if they're, like, vomiting out in the bushes, then you are judging them a little bit. <laughs> but, like, you know, generally you're not judging them. And, like, you you normally lose – those people who are assholes when they're, when they're drunk are normally not great people when they're sober anyway. So you kind of yeah. normally drift away from those people anyway, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah, so a lot of people drink to get a bit of self-confidence, I guess, and to be able to feel a little bit more comfortable. But you've got this – gift to be extremely confident and comfortable in any situation
1: yeah 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 it's a delusional self-confidence really um <laughs> I think a few things helped one was just realizing quite early on that everyone struggles with that like everyone feels awkward you think the biggest toughest captain of the first 15 yeah he's got anxiety issues that's why he you know everyone is like knocking them back to try and chill out a little bit or get more confidence on the dance floor and once you realize that you're like shit it's all just a weird bravado thing anyway and you can just kind of fake it till you make it and i'm not always super confident or anything like that but one thing that really helped was stand up because like once you've realized your worst fear which is talking to a hundred people in a bar getting no laughs getting like a slow clap like get off the stage once you've experienced that you're like shit it's not that bad (laughs) i can handle that i can bomb any night of the week (laughs) like it's like you you realize like yeah it's it's fine. And and then I just kind of like was like, you may as well just try and enjoy yourself a little bit. And I still get really self-conscious. What's funny is that when people go, um, oh man, you must be so drunk or stoned when you do what you do. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to be like, yeah, man, I was <laughs> wasted. No, I didn't smoke weed either. I do not do anything. And I'm like, it's so embarrassing to be like, you think that I'm drunk, but really that's just,
0: my, that's just me, man. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, your stand-up comedy. How did you get to the step where you get to that point? You said that's like the... The loss of loss being up on the stage and not getting any laughs. But yeah. how do you even get to that stage? Obviously, that's an incredible fear for anyone to a- attempt to do that.
1: Yeah, when you start, it's just hard and you learn what not to do quite early on. Sound comedy is so good because it's like trial and error. I was mm. like, it's so interesting. Just looking at professional athletes, it must be such an interesting job being a rugby player because you can't make mistakes really. Like, you know, like I don't know. You look at like guys, you're like twenty one years old and you're playing super rugby or whatever, you must think like, Man, if I throw a few bad passes here, I'm my life's over you know, do you there's quite amazing pressure on these am I, am I right or am I wrong?
0: I sort of feel like that you've got another fourteen guys around you when you're out there, so if you do make a couple of mistakes and not you know, the the team can sort of look after you, where I look as a look at a comedian and you're up there by yourself, you've got no one else to um, help you or Bomber. Nah,
1: nah, the stakes are so low though. Like if you bomb like cuz like when I was bombing and stuff like that hard, like you're starting out, you you're not getting paid, so you don't really care like yeah. you you don't you're not letting anyone down really. And um I the time I bombed real bad, I was opening for Ray Bon so I let, I let him down. <laughs> but he's only paid me 35 bucks or stuff or something, so oh well, I mean, I earned my 35 bucks just for doing my <laughs> time. But um yeah, no it's it's just uh the stakes are so low and comedy is about mistakes. Yeah. Like literally my ratio to good jokes and bad jokes is probably about five bad ones to one good one maybe even higher than that yeah and that's just like you comedy is all about learning from your mistakes there's really no rules there's no academy you can't practice in front of your mirror you just got to go up there and just see if it works or not and um so that makes it uh like really comforting and you just go kind of new joke old joke new joke old joke and then when you're doing a big show you have a lot of old jokes that you can fall back on if the new jokes aren't working so there is a big safety net there yeah um, yeah. Okay. So, so in in rugby, sorry to go back to rugby. I do have some really good rugby stories, by the way. I should tease that. Yeah. Do you want to, you- do you want to hear my rugby story? It's vaguely rugby ladders. Yeah. You're not keen. No, I'm keen
0: as. <laughs> oh, I'm very keen. Um,
1: Jeff Wilson is a lovely guy. <laughs> yeah. I've met him multiple times. He is the best guy, but he's also very competitive. Yeah. And I think he won't mind me telling the story anyway. Um, it doesn't make him look that bad, but, um, I play basketball, grew up playing basketball and uh, started a team with my brother a few years ago, just playing um, fairly socially. Well, you say social, there's no, damn, men in their thirties playing sport, man. They take it too seriously. You ever play like just like corporate touch or something? And people go so hard and like it's life or death. If you're an accountant, like your last chance is to score a a try playing social touch. But it was, so it was Auckland North Shore, which is like the best competition in Auckland, B grade. Mm. So I thought it was pretty casual level. Um, but my team, would have players getting thrown out of the game every it was people got too serious about it. And the ref was always like a 14 year old kid. It was embarrassing. We're fully grown men and oh god, it's so sad the yeah. way some people still holding on to those NBA <laughs> dreams, eh? You're lucky you got to experience that, man. You like, you're lucky you got to go like as high as you could go, right? So you you're not gonna be like what if kind of thing. Yeah. Cause so many Kiwi males like finish at high school and go like, Oh, that could have yeah, been me out yeah, there. Yeah. And um, so yeah. So anyway. Um, so we're out there living our NBA wannabe ambitions, and we come up against um, former all-black legend, one of the greatest New Zealand sports people ever, Jeff Wilson, and one of my personal heroes. That was my childhood right there. Like yeah. Goldie, he's such a legend. Played cricket as well. And the rumor is that he was also awesome at basketball. Like, you know, the rumor was that he scored a 100-point game. or something. I can't remember. But the story at high school, he was the man, right, yeah. at three sports, basketball, cricket, and rugby. And always the joke was that, like, like rugby was his le- he's the best at it but it was his least favorite like apparently i wanted to spell the rumor now that he's not that good at basketball <laughs> like i know it's a bit like people talk about him like he could have been like he's okay he's pretty good hey and if he'd if he'd quit his other two sports that he was amazing at he probably could have been like awesome at basketball because he's an athlete he could do anything yeah. but he's sure, obviously rugby build so he's quite stocky he's not really a basketballer's build and he's okay but you can tell that he's someone who stopped basketball quite young young and stuff like that but still very competitive. <laughs> and the first game was kind of niggly, right? Like my brother plays point guard, my brother, um, lovely guy, but he uh, he can get too serious sometimes. <laughs> and him and Jeff Wilson were kind of flopping for fouls yeah. and pushing each other over. Yeah. It was getting a little bit titchy. Mm. And his team, and I think they'll be okay with me saying this, were the biggest A-holes I've ever played against. <laughs> Jeff Wilson, the guy pushing my brother over, was the nice guy. The rest of them were dirty old tall black New Zealand players. Okay, okay. The New Zealand rugby team, for people who don't know, is called the Tall Blacks. <laughs> I'm not calling them Tall Black. I mean, none of them were very tall. None of them were black. They were white guys, but they played for New Zealand back in the day. And they're yeah. elbowing me. They were just so dirty, grabbing me, pulling me. Like, it was just – the whole thing was just an – they're the worst team to play against. Yeah. And the only saving grace was you get to meet Jeff Wilson. <laughs> so the second time we play him, I'm like, that's Jeff Wilson. These guys are a-holes. Let's have a bit of banter, mate. Yeah. And um, he's quite physical, so I would just, like, kind of riff with him a little bit, what I thought was riffing, and um, and I'd be like, it's not the Bledisloe Cup, mate. Oh, chill out, Jeff. We're not playing rugby anymore, mate. This is, like, 96 all over again. I don't even know what 96 was. <laughs> I was just throwing a random year out there, stuff like that. And But for whatever reason, it's his sporting, like, focus. He just did not take any of it lightly, eh? And I just remember saying, chill out, Jeff. It's not the Bledisloe, mate. And he was just, like, he just looked at me stone cold in the face and just goes, I never thought you were funny. <laughs> 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 so cold. So me like Jeff, chill out, man. It's B grade North shore Wednesday night basketball. So it's, it's quite tense. Then I felt bad. I almost wanted to apologize. Cause I kind of realized afterwards that has some bad memories from the Bledisloe didn't like, um, didn't George Gregan George Gregan hit the ball Out of his hand And yeah. stuff like that And I wasn't referencing Was that 96? <laughs> not maybe not, I don't know But anyway Whatever it was I was not referencing that I was just trying to I don't know that much about rugby I was yeah. just trying to throw out A rugby reference Right <laughs> So then there's just This weird te- it was, The game was already tense Because it was so rough mm. um, But it made it tenser My banter This is the co- comedy It goes bad My banter went Backfired right yeah. And then it felt like I was being an asshole to Jeff And he was being an asshole to me And it just wasn't very nice Yeah this is where it gets weird. The game is really close. They're, we're about 20 years younger than them, but they're just battling for everything. They yell for a foul every time. They're so old, they kind of intimidate the referees, get some cheap free throws and stuff like that. Yeah. Somehow we're still battling with these guys. Game tied. it sounds like I'm making this up. I swear there's video evidence of this. There's Game tied. There's four seconds left. We have the ball. We're inbounding the ball from the side, attacking our hoop. So it's in our half, right? The game is, the score is tied. We draw up a play. We call a timeout, draw a play.
0: This is intense.
1: That's always a mistake, right? Drawing up a play with a, if you've got a coach and you're a a trained team, that makes sense. You've got a play that you're used to running. (laughs) Not when you're just standing around and everyone goes, oh yeah, I'll screen there and everyone just has a hoon, right? So the players that um, I'm going to screen for our best player who's going to run off and shoot a three to win the game. Yeah. And if that fails, if that gets denied, then we're going to hit me rolling to the hoop and I'm going to catch it and do a layup, right? Yeah. What happens is I go to set a screen and this tall black guy, again, he's a white guy who's the team's called the tall blacks. He just bullies me. I should have known this was going to happen. He just pushes me off the spot and then um, he just grabs me, like just bear hugs me, right? Yeah. Our best shooter gets defended off my screen or whatever the hell I'm doing. I'm not really doing anything at this point because of the guy I've been pushed off my mark. He runs out. He's guarded because I got pushed off my mark. And then he just the guy just grabs me, like literally just hugs me so I can't run and get the ball. My brother, you've got five seconds to inbound, lobs the ball to where I should be, but I can't move because he's literally holding me with his arm like rugby. It shouldn't be allowed, right? (laughs) The ball bounces into play. Another one of their players grabs the ball, throws it, American football style, the length of the floor. So this is three-quarters court throw, goes the length of the court, In swish, they win the game. Jeff Olsen is just like, yes! And I'm so excited, I'm just like, yes! And I go and hug Jeff Olsen, I'm like, Goldie, we did it, bro! I'm not on the team, my brother's pissed off at me, he's like, what, they're not on your team, stop doing that, don't be a dick! And uh, that was the greatest moment in my sporting career. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, 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 it sounds unbelievable. There's video f- footage of that shot going in. I've oh. never seen a shot like that in my basketball career Mate. go three-quarter court, even without pressure, let alone to win the game. Oh, Amazing. so cool
0: basketball at its absolute <laughs> best. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> bad, so bad. Mate, that is good. Mate, is, yeah. that, is that an insult that people give to you all the time? Is that I've never found you funny or you're not yeah. funny? Is that like everyone's go-to? To yeah,
1: yeah, 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 And it's a hard one to come back from as well because you're just going to be like, oh, uh, comedy is uh, subjective and everyone has an opinion. <laughs> (laughs) But um, I understand it as well because um, some people are – I mean, the reason Jeff Wilson – I mean, Jeff Wilson might not have found me funny. That's totally fine. It's his opinion. But um, uh, he said it because I was bantering with him and he was like, all right, well, you're going to give it to me. I'm going to give it to you kind of thing. So I kind of was asking for it a little bit there. Talk shit, get hit, you know. But um, people just will come up to the – when people are mean about it, less so now, like New Zealand Today is so well received. A lot of stuff I did on Jono and Ben, people didn't like, but New Zealand Today is, is quite liked. Yeah. I'm so lucky. Thank God. I've done one good thing in my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, besides hug Jeff Wilson after I lost the game of basketball. So when people say it, there's no real comeback. You just gotta be like, oh, comedy is subjective and everyone has an opinion. And um, and yeah, it's it's one of those things where um, I understand it because there's comedians I hate and can't understand why people like them. Yeah. And you realize it's, it's like music, even more extreme. Like, People hear a certain type of music and they just don't understand, you know, country music or whatever. Yeah. It's like everyone has people they like and they don't like, and some of the some of the most comedian, popular comedians in the world are people I just don't understand yeah.
0: why people like them at all. Yeah. yeah, it's really interesting. That is interesting, and something that's growing a lot in rugby at the moment is like, social media abuse and, like, people sliding into the DMs just abusing players. So I'd imagine a comedian gets that times 10. Like, how ha, have you dealt with that in your...
1: I just started ignoring it, and yeah. um, I think that's the only way to do it. Um, yeah, it's so tough on rugby. Again, it's like that thing of, like, for how serious journalists take it and how they think it's life or death. A lot of the fans are like that too, unfortunately. Because we put so much investment in them, like, we are living vicariously through athletes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, when um, Bowdoin Barrett kicks it, it's me going, well, how did you miss that? And he's going to look back and go, it's hard, man. It's not easy. I'm trying my best. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's, um, I, I just took the, because when I started in comedy, I used to literally, this is so sad. I would literally go on Twitter, type my name in and see what people were writing. Yeah. And you know, like there's a reason why they haven't added me. It's because they want to go, Guy Williams is not funny. Get him off the show, yeah, I, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like, why was I subjecting myself to that abuse? And I quickly realized it was like, if you just don't read it to an extent, and every time I go on, because most social media is largely uh, pretty, no, it's, it's, I'd I'd say actually largely it's pretty good, but like if you plumb into the depths, you will find some stuff just like um, right now with all the disinformation around, you know, basic, you know, science around vaccines and stuff like that. So in lockdown, I was like, um, hey, uh, well, I need ideas for season three of New Zealand today. And most people were like, great and having good ideas. And a few people got in there. It's because like, um, the communist government is here to um, shut down, our, uh, control our people and put us into camps. I don't know what the hell is going on there, but like, Pete, you know, like you're just like, wh- who are you? And I almost feel sorry for those people now. And like, yeah. where they're going, it, like, what sort of life are you living if you like, if you see the All Blacks lose a rugby game or see your favorite, the Hurricanes lose a rugby game and log on there and decide you're going to abuse your, your, the people you're a fan of, you yeah, know? Like, it's yeah. kind of like, it almost just reflects so badly on them. I, I end up feeling, I end up feeling angry about them and then sorry for them, you yeah, know? Yeah. And it's such a big thing now. And it, what's worse is that women get it so much worse and, uh, you know, people of color, if you're brown, you're going to get so much worse as well. It's like, mm-hmm. um, it's yeah, it's, it's 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 sad to see, and um, yeah, I feel I really feel for athletes because it's yeah, it's ruined some people's careers. I reckon. Yeah, it
0: definitely has. And you talked about um some of those people who have some crazy beliefs, and now I guess the cool thing about your show, New Zealand Today, is you get to go meet these people, talk to them, and um, yeah, yeah, get to know them a little bit. Yeah,
1: and I and I, I must say I'm like walking a fine line there because I think this the the good thing about New Zealand today, I think, should be that like you realise that most people out there are good people. There's some people who are just like wrong. And there's some people who, you know, whether they be on drugs or alcohol or off the drugs they should be on, have got like a screw loose. But most people, even people, I've met flat earthers or people who I'm like, what is wrong with you? You talk to them for a few hours and you're like, actually, you're all right. You know, you've just like, you know, you've just gone down a few too many YouTube rabbit holes (laughs) and ended up in a weird place where they (laughs) think – um. They think, bro, they think the world, the, the world is flat. It's surrounded by an Antarctic ice wall that's guarded by NASA. That's what they think. Because, you know, when people go, the world is flat, they go, um, how come you can't just sail a boat off the end of it? And they're like, because there's, there's guards there guarding it. And you're like, oh, man, this is so... And it's the same It's the same with it doesn't take long till you start getting there on um, matters of science and stuff like that. And you realise that kind of... The saddest thing when I talk to the flat earther and this is the person who believes everything like she mm. her theory you know she'll believe she'll see a school shooting in the US and believe it was Perpetrated by the government to crack down on guns. Like, it's just like absolutely outrageous the things they think. And um, don't get me wrong, there are legitimate conspiracies out there. There are things out there where we need more information as to um, how things like how climate change has been covered up by oil companies. There's definitely things out there that need to be investigated. Yeah. I I mean, people still, people start on their rabbit hole down the JFK (laughs) curtail is weird. Probably not time to talk about it right now. (laughs) But um, she said a thing that was like so heartbreaking to me. And I was like, I don't believe you. Like, why would I believe you? Like, when all the scientists are saying the earth is a globe. And she was, like, almost crying. And she was like, why won't you believe me? I just want to be believed. And I was like, oh, that just broke my heart. That yeah. all she wanted to do was, if you are in a conspiracy theory group or whatever, you just you feel smart. You're mm-hmm. all of a sudden like a leader. You're like, no, all the world's leading scientists and universities are idiots. I know what's best. Yeah. And um, do you know what I think is interesting to relate that to rugby it's really interesting how every dude in New Zealand and probably woman as well, think they know what the all blacks coach should be doing or what the hurricanes coach should be, what the coach should be doing. Um, rather than like people who are experts have spent their life perfecting the game and somehow me sitting on the couch knows what they should be doing, yeah, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, you get it so much. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And unfortunately, rugby players aren't h- held in the um, same uh, esteem as a, um, a MIT scientist. Yeah. But still, you are like in your chosen field. Mm. Um, that's what you guys are. And people still think, oh, they obviously should have spread it earlier. You know, like, it's yeah. like, it's not that easy. <laughs> Do you find that? Is, that? is that quite weird? Like, you know, you knowing the game now do you get annoyed by, like, the average punters on social media and stuff?
0: Oh, mate, it's, you just sort of find it more funny than anything. Everyone does have an opinion. Everyone's passionate about the game. So that that's more it than anything else. But um, everyone has an opinion on who should be selected. And a lot of those things are guys who have the video highlights. So, I mean, I was always one of those guys who they never really wanted out there because I, I wasn't big, fast, or strong. So I never had the video packages. Yeah. Or, or I didn't look like one of those players who was contributing to the side. But... My strengths were all the things that you don't really see on TV, you know, like the communication, the decision-making and that sort of stuff. So as a player, I always felt like I was copping it more than others because I didn't have that. The fans would want to see the guys, the bigger, stronger, faster guys who who you'd see breaking the tackle. So I think that's definitely part of it as well. But you
1: become like a fan favourite because people see you and they see someone who almost looks like them. It's funny, Steph Curry is the most popular basketball player partly because he looks like a normal person. Yeah. He's not. Yeah. He's like um, my height. He's like six foot four or something like that. Yeah. And he's the greatest shooter of all time. Yeah. But compared to the other freaks on the court, <laughs> he looks like a normal human being. He looks short. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. And I mean, that's why you became a fan favorite. Same with Marty Banks as well. You know, like you don't look like people who necessarily would traditionally be out there. So um, I think that's why people identify with you so much, you know, um, but can I ask you about strategy then? Because I, um, you'd probably have definitely seen this game. Um, assuming you're in New Zealand, last year's ITM Cup final, Tasman Marco versus Auckland. Yes. Do you see that game? Oh yes. So I went there. Tickets were free. It was crazy. It was so good. And supporting the Marco, obviously, and uh it just blew my obviously great win for the marco fins up to the boys unbelievable were you there actually
0: at the game no, i was at the um walker two actually oh awesome With the non-23 the guys who didn't travel oh we'd, we'd had a um bit of a day of it and
1: was uh, that because of covid why did the 23 not travel that's gutting they couldn't be there for the final no nah, they just funds really oh wow oh yeah. well, that's a shame yeah. um Oh, why do not you just hire a rental van and just drive up there for the night, man? It was, it was disgust because yeah. I mean, tickets were free too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> didn't have to pay admission charge. So anyway, so that game just blew my mind because I think Auckland was unbeaten to that point or pretty close, were they? Yeah,
0: that, they were favourites. They yeah. were
1: hot fa- No, not just favourites. So Weren't they hot favourites? Okay, I'm just talking about my house now. <laughs> um, But my point being is that I watched that game and Auckland had a crazy strategy which was constantly kicking high balls for territory I'm guessing or to reclaim it. Yeah. They kicked all game, had no position as a result or or, or gave up a lot of position mm. and seemed to lose the game. And at halftime I was like, oh man, Tasman's going well, but once Auckland starts holding on to the ball, yeah. and I know nothing about rugby, like I'm so far from an expert yeah. besides a casual fan, I couldn't figure out why Auckland at halftime didn't change their um, strategy to go through the hands and stop kicking away position yeah. and I was like you as a rugby fan did you understand what Auckland were doing or are you at the walker Two going what are they doing
0: now it's, it's a real common part of rugby now like you're seeing more and more of it even the World Cup was won by the team who kicked it the most like teams are just getting so good on defence that when you kick it you can put teams under pressure with your D and um get penalties and get turnovers from that and then be able to kick for the corner once you've got that penalty and then really attack. Sort of save your energy as well by not playing too much in your half. So there's, I mean, it's just the way the game's gone and I you hear it all the time. What, like My nana's the worst. She, she used to hate when I'd kick the ball. She, Why are you always kicking the ball? Like, like it's part
1: of the plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, but no I, I don't mean that, but I mean like specifically in that final, yeah. did you not think at halftime, man, Auckland, the kicking game is backfiring? 'Cause Tasman had a few line breakers or something like that. Or like they were Tasman were turning the position. What are the three P's of rugby? Position, <laughs> possession points. Is that what it is? Oh,
0: we'll go with that. I like that. Nelson College, have you <laughs> never heard that The three
1: Ps of Rugby? Griggy. Nah, nah, not Griggy. Um uh, the guy who I can't remember the guy's name. He was not a teacher at the school and he was just a coach to coach like the under fourteen team or whatever. Um I love Nelson College, it was a great school, but this coach he told us position, possession, points, the three P's of rugby. And then he told us that winning gives him a boner and he got fired. <laughs> <laughs> and the poor bastard, because like looking back on it now... Like, he was doing an adult joke that was not good for kids, but, like, but you, you can see why he got fought, you know, like, like, the head of Nelson College Rugby or whatever was, like, his son was on the team or whatever, so he got, oh, like, the, the guy was into the march, he was like, stop talking about your boner, you weirdo, <laughs> around kids, but, like, it was, like, weird, he didn't know, um, apparently he got reinstated a few years later or something like that, but, um, yeah, he taught me winning some him a boner and position, <laughs> possession points. And that's about when I quit rugby. To be honest, that is about when I quit rugby, to be honest. So
0: how, how was your rugby career, by the way?
1: Not great. You I played with you, Simon Manoring. I played you? a game with Simon Mannering. We used to play against um, Marlboro Boys every year, and we oh, were yeah. locks together. Oh, yeah. He's
0: just down the road in Mapua. well. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wait, so Mapua. So you got Michael Coleman, yeah. Simon Mannering, Yeah, and my brother, Tom. Wow. <laughs> brother, Tom. wow. <laughs>
1: crew. Shit, that's amazing. The legend. He doesn't remember. I think we called him on the radio once and go, remember when you played with me? I mean, it was literally one game. Yeah. Simon Mannering. I think he left now. College quite early to go he was in the Warriors development he was big time yeah but um, I don't know why this one game because especially because it was a joke game where we were way overpowered for them and we thrashed them Uh, yeah I a few a few of those players I used to play basketball with Tim Bateman and um, Michael Komen in the red team from from Wyoming yeah a few a few players who went on to be um, professionals in my basketball career I got dunked on by Tom Abercrombie oh. uh, many times many <laughs> times he was what I should have been like he was me yeah. but with athleticism as well he was <laughs> he was impressive um, yeah so I played rugby like I was big for my age yeah. so I and Nelson weirdly we didn't do I think in Auckland they do it by weight mm. but um, I mean it's probably a racial thing really because um, people got sick of developing Pacific Island boys beating up their white kids so they like <laughs> they like racistly changed it whereas in <laughs> Nelson we were all white so we're like white power <laughs> I'm joking, by the way. I'm joking. Um, uh, so we, uh, we did it by age. So as a result, I was big for my age. And oh, Russell Packer, mm. he actually got dispensated upgrades because he was so powerful even at a young age. Him, his brother was on my team. And Maris, we were bad, but we got um, Russell Packer, league player.
0: Was he Nelson? Uh,
1: yeah, oh, for a few years. He True. played He played for my team for a couple of years. years. He, he, re-
0: he just retired, like He was literally
1: dispensated up for two years. My dad coached him. Um, he went to jail. I was like, dad, bad coaching, man, bad. I don't know why Russell went to jail, but I, I, he's, he's he turned it around, I think. He's yeah. doing well now, I think. But um, uh, shout out to Russell if you're out there. Let's catch up sometime. Rem- reminisce about under 13, Maris losing games by 60 points. But, um, yeah, so I played I played uh, to an average level. I, I made the rep teams because I was big and my dad um, helped coach. Yeah. I think that's only why. And um, I was fine. But then I switched to basketball literally because in rugby, my only job really was kind of line out specialist mm. and run it straight, hit the deck, place it back kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And I was fine at that. But, like you know, like um, – uh, basketball, I was shooting, I was scoring. It was just so much, you know, you get the ball more. It was just so much more enjoyable. Um, so that's kind of why it was a no-brainer.
0: And you were a bit of a wizard at basketball too, weren't you? You, oh, were, you were pretty damn good.
1: Uh, people, it's funny because, um, the, what's the saying? The older I get, the better I was. <laughs> people, because I'm a comedian, people remember it for me because they like it as a story in like articles. They're like, he was an awesome basketball player. I wasn't really. Like, I was okay. I played for my high school, which was good. You know, Nelson College, we were good um and then um lots
0: of years though wasn't
1: it many years many years and then i tried to make it to the next level i played for the saints for two years i was like a development oh, player yeah, yeah. and got on the court a couple of times went on a couple of road trips and just wasn't up to it as yeah. i said like the standard was so high like, even the best players from my school never really of oh, you know the same school as you <laughs> uh the, the best players never even really made it like J- J- jeremiah truman made the tall blacks i think and um Hugh Quinlivan maybe uh, played a bit of NBL, but like even the players that I looked up to who were like amazing is like the standard to be a pro, and that's why you should be so stoked, man. Like, it's so high. You don't, the average punter doesn't realize that. I'm lucky that I got to try, yeah. and I realized that the level above, like I had, I'm tall, I'm big, I can shoot, uh, I was fit, but I just, the next level is athleticism and speed. Yeah. And when you don't have that, you've got to be really onto it. And um, yeah, I just wasn't quite up to it, but I'm glad I, I gave it my best hoon, you so, know?
0: So, why is New Zealand basketball so far off? NBA level. Well, it, yeah, it, it, is it? It's,
1: it's like getting there. Well, we're a tiny country. America yeah. has four hundred million people. We have three. It's a good start. And the NBA is like the best in the world. Like it's not just the yeah, best yeah, Americans. Yeah. It's yeah. the best uh, from Europe as well. But um, uh, it's more comparing us to Australia, and again, they're five times bigger than us. Mm. It's more. It's more. Why is New Zealand rugby so good? Mm. Is more interesting than why is basketball so bad? Basketball's about where it should be. When we consider yeah. we've got a player in the NBA, we've had multiple people like have ten day contracts in the NBA. The GM of the um, Brooklyn Nets is a Kiwi. Sean Marks, you oh,
2: know. That? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blows your yeah, mind.
1: Yeah. I um cause some Kiwis with the videographers. You know New Zealanders man, we're so not, as I said, you know, America like Japan is so strict and like security so tight. Mm the Kiwi videographers were like, come to the Brooklyn Nets (laughs) facility, man. And I go in there and it's like the most beautiful basketball training facility you've ever seen. You've got a hair salon in their training facility and stuff. Their um, their basketball courts overlook the New York skyline from Brooklyn. And Sean Marks is just there um, riding the unicycle... Or the, the unicycle? <laughs> he's riding <the> a <laughs> unicycle around the court like a clown. He's juggling. Riding the exocycle. And I, like, met Sean Marks, and it was, like... Growing up, I idolised him, and, like, when he played for the Tall Blacks. Um, I've explained what the Tall Blacks are now, so I don't need <laughs> any more explanation. Uh, I was, like... I, I just, like, gushed over him, I was just, like... Um, I say with when I meet... um, uh, Whenever I meet Stephen Adams, I'm, like, the whole of New Zealand's proud of you, bro. <laughs> and he's, like, just can you chill out, man, just be cool for a 2nd I'm like, I'm so proud of you, man, it's just, it's, it's a weird thing in New Zealand, we're like, revenant, it's like, whenever I've met Richie McCaw, I'm like, Sir Richie, nice to meet you, sir, sir, I'm just like, so, yeah, I don't know why I'm like that, but, um, you know, when you've got one chance to meet someone, it's better than, like, being nonchalant, and, like, going like, oh, yeah, good to meet you, whatever, I, like, I'm glad that I told Sean Marks, I thought he was awesome, and I'm glad I told, I told Stephen Adams, Stephen Adams, just after the third time, he's like, you've just got to chill a little bit, man, and, <laughs> Pull your shit together. But New Zealand basketball's actually actually all right. Yeah. I thought I thought my year was going to be the year, and they've done pretty well. Like um, Tom Abercrombie, Corey Webster were the two that they used to kick my ass every year at high school nationals. Yeah, they um they won multiple. I mean, with Americans and um, Australians on their team too. But the Breakers have won, dominated the Australian league. Like they won like four championships. Yeah. So, like, you're considering, like, look at the Warriors, like, how hard it is to win in Australia. The Warriors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Trigger word, eh? Like, set off a... Yeah, sorry to bring them up, man. But um, it's so hard to yeah. be a competitive sports team um, in Australia. And I think New Zealand basketball overall with no funding is, like, doing all right. And it's, like... Constantly like on the on the on the RPA. Eh? There's right. a lot of good players, man. I take back my
0: comment completely. You've sold it. well. <laughs> I, New Zealand basketball is strong.
1: Honestly, you look at the funding. They get like a hundred grand yeah, a year or that. something for like the whole budget. And I mean they got like it's one of the most played sports by young people. It's yeah. like it's growing, man. Mainly because parents just like don't want their kids to get concussed yeah. and um what was the other one? Uh, uh, it's indoors, like you know, like people like yeah. rugby. So, so unappealing to in a, on a cold morning in the South yeah. Island, yeah. as opposed to going to a heated gym on like a Wednesday night. It's yeah. like so much nicer. Um, one of my favorite Instagram posts was you. <laughs> was you? Um, you took a photo of. Um, the Will Smith film concussion or whatever. <laughs> and your caption was like, "Not the best game to, movie to watch before a big game."
0: <laughs> Did you literally see it before a game? Literally saw it before a game, <laughs> and the guy I watched it with James Broadhurst had to retire due to concussion. Good on him for doing that, though. Yeah, well, he had to. He had no other option. Oh wow, he was pretty. He was pretty fucked.
1: But I mean, <laughs> how many? Um, how many concussions did he had, or like two no, many? It was
0: it was two in the same game, which back to back and just really rocked him. So wow, how old is he? He just de- he just made his debut for the All Blacks maybe um, two weeks earlier. Got released, came back to play for Taranaki, and it was that game. So he would have been about mm, let me guess around 26, 27. Oh, so man, that's still that's,
1: that's that's yeah, that, that is that is tragic. But I think. Like I mean, he can probably see this as well. Like it's probably saved his life, right? Oh, yeah, hundred percent. Huge, like. and it's so it's so big. Um, the uh, the knock on effects of too many concussions. My brother only played
0: rugby till he was like twelve or thirteen, and Mate, he I coached him. He was a bloody good player. <laughs> <Genuinely>. <laughs> you coached him? Yeah, genuinely, he was our ten. Wow. Third form, year nine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't, he didn't even tell me that. That's hilarious. Okay. He probably doesn't remember He was a good that. tackler. Oh, <laughs> he, yeah. He was solid. Yeah. Good
1: uh, good, uh, good, uh, good runner. And he, um, uh, yeah, but he had a lot of concussions like early on. And I remember when you were a kid, he would be like seven years old. He'd knock himself out tackling. He'd go off to the side, like, you know, dry vomit and then go back out there. Yeah. And I was like, we just had no idea the, the damage. We like, Did you have many concussions Brutal. in your career? Like, I was had it? a
0: few, but... Um, yeah, I was always pretty. Tried to be pretty sensible around. I'd never go back on if I felt like I wasn't. Yeah. Um, right. So. Yeah, but it's, it's quite. So, so your friend. Were you watching
1: that movie before he had to retire, or after, or after? I
0: think it was before. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah maybe so, that. So,
1: yeah, that was the movie that pushed me over. The, no, but seriously, um, I, this. I, I heard a story about a – I mean, this might be totally inappropriate. I don't know. I should really Google my facts before I just spout them on a podcast. But, no, it's the craziest and one of the saddest stories is um a, a retired American football player who shot himself – uh, he took his own life tragically through his own chest because he wanted his brain to be studied for CTE study. Mm. Like that was he he in his mind had decided that this had affected him so badly yeah. that um, and it like leads to so like literally cuts years off your life and stuff like that. And it's such a serious thing. And it's interesting in New Zealand. I feel like we haven't talked about it quite enough. Yeah. Like in America, it was a huge scandal the NFL is such a big business. They've just kind of rolled, you know, made a few rules and rolled on, but like it is going to become a bigger and bigger thing. And I I mean, every couple of years, someone racks up the talkback callers or whatever by saying, you know, should we have, you know, touch rugby up into a certain age. But like, when you look at the facts, it probably makes sense, especially because kids rugby, what are they learning? Tackling the shit out of each other when they're seven years. I think, I can't remember when I started tackling, but I think it was like eight years old or something. It's like, the game's just a mess. There, it's just a ball and you're all just pushing and, shut. you know, no one knows how to play. There's no spread out or yeah. like there's no backline. Yeah. So like you're playing scrag there anyway. It probably makes more sense to have like um, more of a touch game and actually learn the fundamentals of yeah. passing both ways. Yeah. And
0: I sh- think they've gone that, that ripper tag up a little bit higher now, which makes more sense. You're still trying to wrap around the hip, so it's a little bit more like a tackle. So
1: and I, I understand why people are angry, and I, and it's kind of crazy because like the world really is going the other way with MMA, where people just like embrace it, yeah. get the money. And and go, but like, um, yeah, it's 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 one of those things that just fascinates me. Eh? It's mm-hmm. so interesting. What questions do you hate as a rugby player? Like, what questions do you hate getting? Because yeah, like, rugby players are famous <laughs> for bad answers, but we ask dumb questions. Yeah, yeah you know, like yeah. all those
0: ones where you pretty much have to cliche it. Like, yeah,
1: um, yeah, like you can't. There's no other way to go about it. And if you don't do that, it'll be bulletin
0: board b- material yeah, for the other like, team, especially if a team that you play are pretty shit. And they say, oh, what do you think of their performance? Yep. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah they, they did well. I thought <laughs> like, they, they were a lot tougher than the scoreboard suggested. And yeah, all yeah, sort of yeah. Thing. You yeah, can't yeah. say, oh, yeah, they were fucking useless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah if you did one day, though,
1: you go gone to YouTube and be a legend forever, though. <laughs> it would be worth it. It'd be worth it. So, yeah, the, co- the question you always get is how do you get into comedy? And there's a very easy answer to that. And the answer is, I'm a privileged white male who grew up quite well off. And I looked at all the jobs in the world and I wanted, my dream was to be a professional athlete and I wasn't good enough. And then I wanted to be a professional movie star or a musician, but I can't sing and I, um, I'm not good looking at all. <laughs> so the next thing you fall down to is comedy, okay. man. It's like the it's like the ugly person's way into the entertainment industry. Yeah. And uh, it's the dream job. Like, I was like, why? I think, I mean, a lot of people are terrified of the idea of like doing comedy in front of an audience. Yeah. So you got to get that confidence up. But like- even just like any sort of comedy for a living, even if you made, edited it or like wrote jokes behind the scenes, it's quite a great job to have. It's like yeah. being an ice cream tester or a yeah. professional surfer. And um, yeah, so I just like got into it as a hobby and um, have just loved it and been so lucky ever since. Like they literally, my life has been so easy. Like I've, mm. No one's had more privilege than me. Like I literally came out of high school went to uni, started doing comedy, and got, a, got I got a job. I had a few weird jobs in between, but, like, I literally a month out of graduating after spending two extra years at university doing a three-year degree, mm. I um, got a job as a, a professional comedian basically, not paying much, but yeah. still like, I just, like, absolutely am the jammiest – buggy you've ever seen because I'm not even particularly talented or anything like that just um, yeah the confidence of a mediocre white man <laughs> this guy right here did you
0: know you're funny though like nah
1: never funny nah not really I just knew I liked comedy Um, I knew I think everyone two things I think whenever you see because people see me and go oh, I'm funnier than him do comedy then do like yeah. get into it yeah. like it's like there's so many other things. Like even in rugby, you need to be discovered. Like you need to go to a school and you need to like you need to chant you need to get seen by the right people. There's yeah. opportunities. Even like raw talent probably will get you discovered, but it's not nothing's a meritocracy, but comedy is like the bar is so low. You literally just go to a bar, turn up and start doing jokes on stage and yeah. see how you go. Yeah. Like there's so few um, rules to it. And I think everyone <laughs> there's never been an oversupply of comedy. Like if you want to get into the industry, try and get into it and it's like um in New Zealand, there's been almost more jobs than, I mean, I sound like an arrogant asshole now. For me anyway, there's been more jobs than um, I've been able to, to hold on to. But I mean, that's not been the case. I've been luckier than most. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just, uh, you literally just uh, sign up for a open mic at any comedy club. I weirdly, um, I thought I was getting asked out on a date. A girl who was my friend um, asked me to go to a comedy show with her and mm. I thought she was asking me on a date. So I was like, great. Kind of, you know, didn't try too hard. I'm a New Zealander; don't want to um, look like I care about anything in the world. But um, you know, like I, I, you know, I, you know, had a shower and dressed myself up a little bit and uh, got there. And there was like five other people there. Turns out we were like rent a crowd for her brother's stand up gig. Oh, that's true. But that night, so I was a little bit crestfallen. I'm, i my, my plan was to bring flowers, and thank God I did the Kiwi bloke <laughs> thing of like, nah, don't get flowers. Thank God I didn't because that would have been awkward <laughs> as hell. But I got to the gig and literally, um had the best night of my life. Yeah. Like it was terrible. Yeah. Worst comedians. I don't want to name the comedians now, but like none of the comedians were like people who were successful then or successful now. Yeah. None of them are like re- reputable names or anything like that, but they just, the magic just happened. It what happens in comedy. Everyone just caught fire. And it, one guy did a bit that was called giving birth to the wall. And Just when you're laughing and you just you don't know why you're laughing, you just I just laugh so hard it hurt my ribs. I had the best night of my life, even though my date had fallen over. Maybe it was because I went from a, a big low to a big high. And I um and I just went every week after that just became a super comedy nerd and just um yeah, just really got involved and eventually got on stage.
0: What inspired you to get on the stage?
1: Literally I was thinking I can do better than them. Yeah. And then I started doing it and I was like, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. But like with time, I pressed and it was like it was in Wellington, I was so lucky because Flutter Concords were literally on HBO at the time. Like so it seemed like it was because the Flutter Concords were from the same club, Wellington yeah. Comedy Club. Yeah. So I was like shivers, like Man, in two years I'll be in America, yeah. and I, I haven't made it, obviously. <laughs> but you know, like it's still like it's uh, yeah, comedy's been good to me, and it it is like the opportunities are there if you if you can like commit to it and um you get involved because it's yeah it's it's yeah it's comedy's, I don't know what I'm saying here. Comedy is good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it is big in your family as well, eh? Because your brother Paul's a comedian slash singer. Yeah. Your sister's a comedian. Comedian. Your dad's a funny
1: man. Yeah, yeah. Potential comedian. My dad's um accidental comedian. I think every dad is though. <laughs> My theory is with comedy, is that everyone is funny. Yeah. Like honestly, you go, like, were you funny? Well, intentionally, like, was it the class clown? Not really. I mean, especially at Nelson guys, there's some funny dudes there. Mm. Uh, intentionally and unintentionally, there's a guy who would like jump off the roof for a dollar. Like that was quite funny, but like probably not like going to be a, like a sustainable career. You know, I don't know. YouTube but, legend. Yeah. YouTube legend. <laughs> but um, like, you know, like uh, everyone's funny. If you like, we're all weird. Yeah. Like everyone's weird when you like get into their life and like see what's going on behind closed doors. Yeah. We're all a bit weird and we pretend to be normal. Yeah. And um, so it's like, it's comedy in my mind is just about finding that and channeling that and everyone has a, a unique view on the world. Mm. And if you just, if you just sometimes are just going for a walk and you just listen to what your thoughts are, if you just write those down your phone, that can be the start of a joke. Yeah. And it's not even saying you want to be funny. Like m- some of the best jokes I've ever written are things that I... I was genuinely angry that there was a countdown next to another countdown in Napier. And I just kept on talking to people and people were like, stop talking about the two countdowns. No one cares. And I made a story about it. It was one of my most successful stories in New Zealand today, season one. And it was just like, that wasn't even a joke. I was just like, I want to find out this is annoying me. So why are they so close together? And, um, and that's comedy, man. It's just like, I I always wish everyone, if they want to give it a go, has the opportunity to give it a go. And I'm making it sound easier than it is. It's not quite a meritocracy. You need, um, you need the ability – and this is how my family became comedians. I mean, you need a safety net. Yeah. And we were lucky that, like, my dad and mum have, you know, provided for us well to the point where we were able to, like, bum around. As I said, I spent five years at uni doing a three-year political science degree, you know? Like, yeah. I was a bum for quite a few years. Yeah. And then even then I was able to take my – I got a job in comedy straight away, but it was paying, like, less than the minimum wage for the hours I was working and yeah. stuff. And I was able to do that because I always had my parents to fall back on. Mm. And I think that's a big part of it. And that is a there's a really interesting thing about like most of the people in comedy now are like it used to be comedy used to be this real indie thing where it'd be like Richard Pryor was like born in a broth or Billy Conley is probably from the tough I don't actually know, I just made that up. <laughs> but I assume is from had like quite a tough upbringing in Scotland. Yeah. And then you see like comedians now are all just like rich kids whose dad was a TV producer <laughs> or something like that, you know, like that is the that is the sad reality where it should be a meritocracy but still um, you know kind of like just having a comfortable upbringing as a factor you know who
0: is your favorite comedian
1: my favorite comedian I love that's that's a good question uh, Well, it's not a good question I'm just stalling for time I've got <laughs> thousands of favorites uh, Mitch Hedberg Maria Bamford Stuart Lee in the UK a political comedian yeah um, I love Dave Chappelle yeah he's gone a little bit off the deep end I don't know why he always has to ever got trans people for no reason Um. Uh yeah, he's he's got a bit a bit weird. A couple of Dave Chappelle's takes now. I just don't kind of agree with his views. His um his takes on domestic violence are like awful. Like he has some jokes which are like, yeah, the audience is laughing, and I've always thought the only rule in comedy is if it's funny. But then you're like. <laughs> if you're using your platform, you're like one of the biggest comedians in the world just to be an asshole to yeah, woman, you know, yeah. like why are you doing that? Why are you hating on trans people for no reason? And um, so I, I, I must say I love Chappelle mm. and I worship him, but um, you know, his recent specials, have, he's let me down a little bit, you know, yeah. he's still hilarious, but um, yeah, but Chappelle, Chris Rock, Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, yeah. I love, there's not many people I don't yeah. like, but um, yeah, if you're my favorites, you probably wouldn't know a lot of them. Didn't heard of Mitch Hedberg, check him out. Dimitri Martin, check him out. Oh. They're good one liner comedians. You'll see them on YouTube. Um, uh yeah, they're good value. Good yeah. stuff. What do you like in comedy? What are you uh, into? Rugby players. They're into is, like Instagrammers and stuff now, eh? That's
0: a good question. A couple of my favourites, Ricky Gervais. Yeah. Um Legend. Michael McIntyre. Yeah. Michael, <laughs> nah,
1: Michael McIntyre's funny, he's all right. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, <Nah>, sorry. <laughs> Gervais. No, 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 no. I, I'm, an, I'm an asshole. I uh, I don't mind Michael McIntyre. He just had a bad reputation. Because anyone who gets big, mm. you get haters for no reason. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you realize like, that. It's like, like, like Sonny Bill. Like, yeah. Yeah, like Sonny Bill. Like um, Michael Jordan was another one. Like, I used yeah. to always root for the Utah Jazz because I was sick of Jordan winning. And it was like, yeah. looking back on it, I was so lucky. And LeBron, I've always hated LeBron James. It's like, why? I'm blessed to live through Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Like, I should be kissing his ass. Like, I kissed um, Stephen Adams's ass. But um, Gervais has gone off the deep end a bit, though, hasn't he? Yeah, well, He's, I, I Again, like, like, why that. are you always having to go with fat people? Like, move on. <laughs> also, you're not that thin yourself, mate. I guess that's why he thinks he can make the joke. Yeah. But um, I wish Gervais would just, like, pull his head in a little bit. The office is legendary, though, and he has some good jokes. Yeah. He has some great jokes. I love um, uh, Nelson Mandela, um, 20 years in prison, hasn't re-offended. What does that prove? The prison system works. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't even get that joke out. But that is a good that is a good joke. Watch Gervais do it because he's better at the me. Yeah, and um, and the and the Ricky Gervais podcast is gold eh? I shouldn't. I, I I grew up loving Gervais as well. Sorry. Sorry, I asked you your opinion, and you started saying <laughs> and it, and I started shitting on it. Screwed me. Yeah, but sorry, TV, man.
0: I'm not a. I'm not as deep into the. No, nah,
1: do you watch? Do you watch much comedy, or do you watch all these sitcoms, um, I of sitcoms? White used, Lotus. I
0: used to watch a fair bit. I haven't had much time to watch. Um, too many down, kids and stuff. To watch, yeah, too many kids. What do you watch? What do you watch on TV? Like honestly, at the moment, I hardly watch TV. Like yeah. that's it. I've recently been watching a little bit of New Zealand Today. Oh, cheers, man! <laughs> One of the great shows. Oh, appreciate it, man. <laughs> no, but when I am watching TV at, at the moment, it's it's rugby or sport pretty much and that's only after like don't watch any TV during the day or at most nights I'm editing podcasts Do you think there's too much
1: do you think there's too much sport now? I mean like my life is all sport so for example we went Premier League football into uh, Champions League finals, yeah. into NBA playoffs, mm. into um, Euro- European championships, into the Olympics, into the NBA finals. Yeah. Like I've just been watching sports for like two months straight. It's like yeah. I've gone insane. Yeah. Do you do you, find, do you watch sport other than rugby, or you just watch rugby? No, I, I watch
0: all the other, other sports. And it's so, mental, right? Time, yeah, am so. But I mean, if you're not watching sport, what else? you What else are you watching? <laughs> other <than Brazil> today? <laughs> no, but
1: like, do you think we're wasting our lives though?
0: On sport, or yeah, mate, I think we waste our lives in general. Like if, it's, <laughs> if, if it's not, if it's not sport, it's, it's yeah. gaming or it's. Um, what else are you like? What else are you doing? Are you on social media. We're going to get
1: to that point when we're like fifty years old, and we're like, "What is life?" Yeah, and then you just you fall apart, then you lose your mind. Yeah, because yeah. well,
0: like you do need some time to be not doing something or just relaxing or chilling out and whatever. Yeah, but I'm a comedian. That's all I do. All I do. I'm like a hedonist.
1: Like all I do is just chase pleasure all the time. And it's like, what? That's no way, way to live your life. You yeah. need some discipline or some hardship or some structure. You know? Yeah. Well, and it's like, and like, what am I doing? Like, what is? I look, I watch a few YouTube videos. Here we go, and the Earth is flat. Now um, I watched a few YouTube videos about like the purpose of life, and it's help others. And I'm like, fuck that. No, <laughs> 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 no, nah, um, nah, I want to, I want to help others, but um, I, I haven't, I haven't, I'm still
0: helping myself at the moment. I eh? <laughs> still selfish. Hey, mate. One thing I do want to talk about is your um, interview, your TV interview as a whaler. Yes, that is, oh, That, is that was of, my first TV appearance, I think. Yeah. So, talk, How did you get? How did you get into that?
1: Well, people. Do people well, you've got to explain, you gotta explain. I don't want to tell you how to do your job, but you gotta. People I, won't know what you're talking no, about.
0: I, I, I don't really know what the situation was, but you were on the breakfast morning show. You came on as a a whaling, uh lobbyist trying to um,
1: encourage uh, whale farming in New Zealand.
0: <laughs> that's why. That's why I didn't have a crack at it because I wouldn't have got that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happened was we had a segment. I was on. Uh, I started, as I said, like first year. I just worked behind the scenes on um, John O's show. And the second year, they were like hey, guy, you can have more responsibility because you're not a complete idiot. And so they put me in charge of the segment where it was just like, basically just trying to get Jono on TV. Yeah. But this is kind of evil from me. I just tried to get myself on TV. The idea was to try and get on. So I was behind the scenes. I was like the production person trying to help Jono. Um, like, for example, we would do like... Um, weird auctions on Trade Me hoping that the news would talk about, well, not the news but like breakfast television would talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So for example, I don't believe it was real but like I, I put, I I went on um, Trade Me and, and listed a Harry Potter invisible cape. Yeah. Like the typo being that it's just nothing. And you know, like they'd talk about that on breakfast and I'd be like, I, I, you know, would laugh about it back in the studio or whatever. And then, um, so we decided, I was like, do you know what my dream is? My dream is to get on breakfast TV and do an interview. Yeah. And um, the, the idea was to get Jono on in, in, in like um, makeup, but then uh, we couldn't afford the makeup. So we're like guy can just do it instead. And basically my concept was, I was like anyone who does, it's the way the news media works. And I think there's a lot of good journalists out there. I hate when people go, oh, journalists are all effed or something like that. Cause they're not all effed, yeah. but like because of 24 hour TV news and clickbait and stuff, they do gravitate towards shit stories, yeah. you know, like they'll just see trash and just put it up. You know, one person will have a crazy opinion yeah. and they'll just put it up and act like it's everyone's opinion and it's yeah. not. Yeah. And um, so what I did is I just start weird petitions mm. and I did a couple, but the one I, I knew would hit is whaling in Japan was a big idea at the, at the time. So I was like, why don't we bring whaling to New Zealand? Because we can make the meat and because um, we've got a lot of whales here and we can send it to Japan and we'll make it be a huge export for the country, right? And because I had spent five years at university bumming around, I met a lot of like um, libertarian, like right wing. Right wing sounds weird now, it makes it sound not racist people, just people who are like the free market will determine everything. Those guys, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. no taxes kind of guys. Yeah. And um, I spoke to some of them and they would just think, any problem could be solved by business. Yeah. So like we're running out of whales. We'll just start a whale farm, and then you can just farm the whales, and you have unlimited whales. We don't have a shortage of chickens while we have a shortage of whales. And of course, you can't farm whales. <laughs> but I decided to start a website. You know, it's two two days. Start a website called Commercial Whaling New Zealand. Put the website up. Two days later, the Sunday News called me. Not, not a very reputable newspaper. Yeah. I like did an interview on the phone. Changed my voice a little bit. They, they then put that in the paper, and then this is how the cycle happens. And then the, the breakfast TV saw that and then just asked me for an interview. I got picked up in, a, in like a um, corporate cab, yeah. driven to the news studios. Um, I, end, I talked to the prime minister who was in the green room. This is New Zealand. <laughs> hey, prime minister, how you going, mate? And um, I, I was still in character, though, so I had to talk. It was John Key at the time. I had to talk to him about um, – uh, about whaling. Yeah. I've never been a John Key fan. i really opposed to his politics, but he was so good, man. Because yeah. I'm a nutter. I'm coming up to him and going, hey, man, we need to get whaling off the ground New Zealand. <laughs> and he he handled me so well. I was very <laughs> impressed at how well he was like, well, we need to look at that. We need to grow business. You know, he had like yeah, such yeah, a diplomatic yeah. answer. I was yeah. impressed how he dealt with me. And then I just like walked into the studio and it was the craziest thing because there wasn't even many people in there. There was like um, no cameramen. I think they had like robot cameras. Oh, yeah. So just me and Paul Henry in this like black room talking about whale farming. And it was just like, I was just there. I was pissing myself just thinking any moment he's going to go, you're a liar. Why would you make this up? This is not funny. But no, I just did the whole interview just talking about whale farms. It was insane. And I gave him a, I made a cap and I gave him some of my merchandise and stuff like that. And then I left it and, and, and nothing happened. It was the weirdest it was the weird, it just shows the standard of like television. Like no one checked me, background checked me, Paul Henry couldn't see through it at all, you know? And then um and then I thought I'd failed and then the next day, like eventually someone was like, Hey, that's not that's not a pro whaling activist. That's a guy I saw on, on stage doing stand up a few weeks ago. Who what's he doing there? And then it, it was like front page news. It was like a big deal, yeah, because Paul Henry was a big deal at the time and like yeah, it yeah. was he said he didn't get tricked. He got he <laughs> did the whole interview talking to me about whale farming like it was a real thing. It was so stupid. And, uh, yeah, that, that literally started my career, so I was stoked with that. And yeah. how,
0: how did you feel in that interview? It must have been awkward, Ed.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I was just sure he was just going to – you know how you just like – you idolise people and you think, oh, Paul Henry's so smart, and, yep. of course, he's just a normal dude. He was like a bit of an idiot, really, and just couldn't – for some reason couldn't bum me out or catch me out at all. Like, yeah. even just basic questions like how are you going to – Know which whale is yours, you know? You're like, oh, you killed my whale. Like, are you going to tag a whale? How are you going to catch your whale? Like, there's so many elements to whale farming. Whales, like, move huge around the ocean. Like, what are you going to build a cage for them? Like, what is the logic here? And, like, I don't know. Maybe put them in Lake Topo, have a freshwater lake whale. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm back on the idea now. I'm like, let's get this happening. It's a
0: good idea. New Zealand today. Yeah, launch a whale farm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mate. How good. Yeah. And another thing that you spoke about at the start of the podcast was your um, interview with the mob. Yeah, mongrel one, mob. One of the great interviews of all time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talk about um, being intimidated or awkward in that wailing interview. But how were you feeling in that interview with the mob? Sorry, man you're trying to um, you're trying to wrap this up, and I
1: have got so much to talk about, and I can't do a short worded answer. I mean, the short answer is no, I'm
0: not trying to wrap it up.
1: Go. Oh, I'm trying to wrap, wrap us up then. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, okay. Uh, the first thing I want to say is that um, the, the short answer is um, awkward how, how second thing is I've got a lot of flack for that interview for um, for multiple reasons um, one is that like glamorizing or normalizing the mongrel mob like yeah. you know like a, a gang in New Zealand and two is that um, uh, one of the people behind that group was accused of a very serious crime um, I don't know I hope that's going to the police I'm not sure what's going on there yeah but um, basically what the story is is we background checked they run, the, the Munger Mob was running a healthy eating Facebook page, which is already funny because if, if the Munger Mob wanted to help the community, that doesn't seem like the most obvious way they could help the community. There's probably some other activities they could stop doing that would probably be better than um, running a healthy eating Facebook page. But the logic was actually good. Like It's like New Zealanders need to eat healthier and eat less takeaways. So yeah. it, like all, it all makes sense. So I was like, this is hilarious. What are we going to do? So we background checked one guy, obviously not all of them. Mm. We found this guy, Koei the Rogue, um, who was a real character and um, uh, and we, we found out like we looked at his like criminal record and stuff like that and we're like he's got very serious assault charges against he's been in jail for 10 years he chopped another gang member's finger off in a, in a brawl he had a machete it's crazy but anyway we're like we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna go and interview him and the, re- what, the reason I wanted to do it for many reasons one is that I knew it would be very successful because New Zealand is like fascinated by the mob and why shouldn't we be but also because I grew up in Nelson where we didn't really have gangs like there was a motorcycle gang pad down by the park near um, kind of where Burger King Uh, no no um, where where Trafalgar Center used to be behind the warehouse kind of thing yeah 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 there was a gang pad there but that was like a motorbike gang that was They're kind of more like a cosplay of a gang than a real gang I think I remember they they, they raided them once and they had a few rusty old like (laughs) rocket launchers or something like they weren't they were like almost like a joke gang than a real gang but, like, when I moved to the North Island, I quickly understood that gangs are big in New Zealand. Mm. Like, um, you go to the luge in Rotorua. I love the luge. Oh, luge 24-7. But they'd be like, the gang members just having a birthday party there. Full, yeah. full like, red everywhere and stuff like that. And it just blew my mind. And with New Zealand Today, I'd run into it all the time. We interviewed Black Power members in a um, story about blackface. Again, some of the funniest guys I've interviewed as well. Mm. And what I realized is that gangs are everywhere in New Zealand and they're part of society in a major way. And I feel like we don't talk about it in the right way because everyone's like, we'll be tough on gangs. Totally right. Totally, we've got to be tough on gangs. We've got to stop um, any uh, organization that's acting in a criminal way or, or like affecting society negatively. But what's really interesting is how we talk about gangs and stuff, how we treat them is messed up. Because first of all, we kind of like um, use it to like racially discriminate against um, people of color. But also, most importantly, the way we're tough on gangs, I think probably breeds gangs. Like one of the discussions we had with the gang members, we had two things that really struck out for me. One was that going to jail almost makes you more of a gang member, like, yeah. like almost like recruit a gang Like he was like, I was kind of like involved and I got really involved when I went to jail for the first time because yeah. I wanted to be for security in jail and, to be, and for the privileges that provide you. Yeah. So that blew my mind. And the second thing was I asked if because they, they had young kids as well. And the kids were two years old and they're doing gang signs and saying Sig hail." And it, was cra- it blew my mind. I just never in a million years experienced this. Mm. And I was like, do you want your kids to grow up and be in the gang? And they were like, no. And that just blew my mind. And, they were, and I was like, um, that's crazy. And I was like, "And they, like, they probably will be because of where we live. There's not many other things to do, but I quickly realized, and I'm, I'm not condoning gangs or gang behavior or anything like that, but I quickly realized that like in my mind, and I need to do more research on it we're not approaching gangs in the right way and being tough on them sure you can put every gang member in jail i think that will probably just help the gangs grow stronger like yeah. I, ju- I don't think the solutions are as obvious as people think they are and um uh and what i also learned is that gangs in especially in places like Gisborne are like, in tr- like everyone i interviewed no matter what ethnicity they were no matter where they were from or what neighborhood they lived in had some sort of connection to a gang as well and i got a friend i was talking to a friend um uh from a small town in the north island the other day He's like yeah some of my best friends are gang members and it's weird because they're gang members and they're also dads and they're driving their kids to swing, yeah. swimming and stuff like yeah. that. It's really... Yeah. So the whole thing anyway, it, it, it's I'm out of my depth, but I want to talk about gangs more in New Zealand and I don't have the answers and I'm not going to be the one to fix it. Mm. I'm far from it. But I was like, gangs... The, 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 it's, it's a lot more of a, a difficult situation than people think it is. And so when, it annoys me when you see clickbait headlines, you know, that at the moment, the government's giving money to gangs to fight meth, which seems counterintuitive because you yeah. assume g- gangs are providing the meth as well. Yeah. But the, a lot of these are ex-gang members who know how to effectively reach out to some people who have been in gangs. And so like experts have looked at that and gone, this is the best way to do it. And if an ex-gang member is trying to get other people off meth, I think that's a good thing. And like probably is the right, you know, like you've got to kind of got to trust the experts a little bit on this. Not always, but like, so yeah, the way, the, sorry, you probably just want to laugh interview about the guy with swastika tattoos on his face. But, um, but uh, yeah, it just, it's just, it's it blows my mind. And I just want to talk about gangs more
0: basically. Yeah. That is, that is good. <sighs> yeah.
1: So anyway, talking to the gang member was scary as fuck. And I thought I was going to die. We had a safe word but it was fine. Um, what I learned from him. What was do you mean you
0: had a safe word? We had a safe word. What? It, with him?
1: We had a word that like our, pro- our production guy would text um, our bosses every so often to uh, make sure we were okay. Like, you know, like he had to text every 10 minutes cause we were wow. shooting with him for hours. Yeah. Text every 10 minutes um, umbrella or whatever. Yeah. Um, it would look suspicious if they looked at our phones and they just saw umbrella text 500 times. You're like, well, that's clearly a safe word of some description. But it, we're texting, 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 make sure we're okay. And I never felt um, there's a few times I fr- am not used to gangs, yeah. so I just didn't know. But like, they just live in a normal community, and just everyone on the street is a gang member and stuff like that. And they all treat each other normally, and yeah. they all, yeah. So, it, so when a gang member would come across to say hi, like, and then they just walk through our interview and stuff, yeah. I would be like, this guy's going to come tell us off, <laughs> you know? And I was like, so scared he's going to go get the fuck out of here right now and go yes sir and get right in the van and yeah. run away. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, so we're pissing myself the whole time. Absolutely shooting myself. But Koei the Rogue reminded me so much of myself. He was just like, we're basically the same age. We just come from completely different backgrounds.
0: So much of yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah honestly. No, no, honestly, with the same age, with are the same sort of like idiot. Yeah. But just when I grew up and I left high school, I had every opportunity. Yeah. You know, I could have gone to any university I wanted. I could have traveled to any country I wanted. Um, I could have done anything I wanted. And with him, it was the opposite. It yeah. was like so few options. It's not surprising that he joined, you know, like, you know, as a man, you want to feel like a provider and a tough guy. It's not surprising someone gets involved in a gang. Yeah um I've now learned more about it I've read up on um face tattoos and I I I laughed a lot about uh, swastika face tattoos are weird like it's one of probably the highlights of my comedy career that I got the courage I wanted to do this joke which was um he he goes every tattoo on my I go what's up with the swastika face tattoos and he was like every tattoo is from a different time in my life and I said what time was that was it world war two and I'm so proud of that joke, but I was so scared. Because what happened is he went you silent. Tell, he went silent and he was like, and I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. I was quite a way away, so I could have run because I'd probably than him. But he then he goes, um, he just cracked up. I, would, I don't want to do it into the microphone, but he's just like... <laughs> <laughs> but it was like a scary laugh. Like it was like not r- natural. It was like really intense. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get murdered now. And um, But no, like... Um, uh, yeah, it was fine, and uh, but I've I've since learned that um, I don't know, like it, it, I, I can't speak for Koi, but like people get face tattoos for a whole a whole a whole range of reasons, but um, just to be intimidating, you got, you, you got to ask yourself why does someone want to be that scary? Why does someone put swastikas on their face? Mm. And um, yeah, I, I I developed a lot of sympathy for Koi, Um and uh, yeah, I, I I do also I really. Um, enjoyed a lot by him and, as I said, saw myself in him. And um, I hope he's going well now. And, um, yeah, he's he, he's probably still in the gang. But, um, yeah, uh, yeah, I would like, I should reconnect with Koei because, um, yeah, that was one of the most successful things I've ever done and uh, it was good. But, yeah, I think most people who criticize me for doing that as well, I understand where they're coming from as well. Yeah, And it produced the greatest comedy song of all time which is Married to the Mob. (laughs) Very sexist song, uh, but very funny song. And it's so poetic. Have you heard the song? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like... um, Get down on your knees. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) yeah. When you're married to the mob... It's a full-time job. That's the Whoa. the idea of a full-time job is so funny to me because it's like no part-time hours available.
0: <laughs> Mate, <laughs> so, you said you couldn't sing. You oh yeah, an amazing boy. <laughs> <Yeah. point.
1: laughs> no, I can't. I can't. I can't sing properly. Um, but "Married to the Mob" is like a. It sounds like a sea shanty or like a musical song. It's yeah, like quite yeah. a quite a funny song. So um, I love that song, "Married to the Mob," uh, and and I think he genuinely is like a really funny, interesting guy. It's just you know a shame. The, the path he um, his his life has gone down but um, yeah he's he's a musical talent and a real character and uh, yeah that was one of the greatest interviews we've ever done mate good insight and I survived
0: into, into New Zealand gangs and
1: yeah <laughs> yeah well I mean read a book to do more research than me I think uh, someone Savage just released a good book about it um not, the guys love the not the
0: rapper. No, no,
1: not, no, not Savage Raffa. Uh, no, I think the guy's last name. It's, there are two good books about New Zealand gangs have just come out and I've bought them and haven't read them yet. But um, gangs in New Zealand are, are fascinating and they are um, something we need to fight but i think the fight is probably in my mind it's just the way i see the world mainly through economics i think it's economic and i'm like if you look at where gangs thrive it's normally like areas with depressed economic opportunity yeah. like one of the reasons it doesn't thrive in nelson or partly because nelson's a bunch of old people <laughs> <My boy. laughs> it's gonna be a very old up in nelson i thought gray power was a gang i thought it was black power white power gray power is literally what i thought and um, Grey Power, not a gang. It's an old folks association, I found out. But Nelson had the biggest one in the country. So, um. yeah. But one of the reasons Nelson probably didn't have many gangs is because it's it's a rich area. Like, it's like, you know, like, we don't – we used to we have a lot of issues, and gangs probably became more of an issue. But, um, you know, like, we, it's just not kind of as prevalent as it is in a poorer town in New Zealand, yeah.
0: Mm. Mm. Mate, well, how
1: good's that? Anyway – how fit. good's that? Is how um, Kiwi blokes just wrap up any conversation, eh? <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. You don't know how to wrap it up. It's just go, how good, mate? Oh, well, I'll let you get on with it. <laughs> mate.
0: Cheers, mate. As always, we've gone to our Instagram for some questions, and. Oh, wow. Okay. This is what we do. This
1: Thanks so is- much for having me on the pod, though. I'm stoked to be the first. Uh, I know you've had uh, my boy, James Malcolm. He's also, I went to school with him. Alex. Shout out to James. Uh, Alex. <laughs> Damn it! My boy, my close personal friend. Now I do. I I, I I went to school with Alex and grew up with Alex. So uh, it's inv- I haven't seen him in t- 20 years. So forgive me. Oh, far out. I uh,
0: hope James is doing well.
1: But I'm stoked to be on the podcast. Oh,
0: mate. It's great to have you on. Okay. A lot of these we've covered already. Obviously, we've... We've gone through a fair bit. Oh, this is a good one. Oh,
1: how much how many insults? Did I get many insults on the nah. we for dicks? Oh, that's good.
0: A lot of people. Greatest comedian in New Zealand. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're just riffing these from your own from your own moralities. Okay, hit me with the question. Hit me with the question. Okay, first one. How scared were you when you asked David Tua about Sonny Bill Williams and his old lady? Yeah, that was the most scared I've ever been. I did not learn that was a white guy learning cultural
1: differences. <laughs> I didn't realise, because at Nelson College, we said, like, your mum jokes quite a bit, right? Not like your mama, but, like, you know, like it was like, I effed your mum was a quite a common gag, which, was it? yeah, was it? No. <laughs> Don't hang me out to dry here. Anyway, in, in my circle of friends, it was. Big Nelson gag. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a, it was a gag everywhere. But anyway, the point is, the point is, I didn't realise in, uh, I think, David Tua or Samoan? Uh, I'm not sure, yeah, I think someone yeah. In Samoan culture... Your mum is sacred. It's like the one thing you don't make fun of, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. So um, I did not realize that. So he thought I was just trying to say your mum a joke. Yeah. And he thought I was taking a, a disrespect. And my joke wasn't even that. My joke was trying to organize a fight with Sonny Bill, it was a joke because Sonny Bill was boxing at the time yeah. and everyone wanted to see it was happening. So I tried to get it started like boxers do. Anyway, oh, I was, oh, I, I, honestly, I think that's the closest I've come to. Like, I mean, it's a cliche. Uh, I didn't think it was real until then. I didn't think that you know when people go, I almost piss myself or I almost um, you know shat my pants. I didn't think that was real until that time where I was like, wow. actually, like I like like basically yep. was losing control of my bowels. And it wasn't even. It looks worse on TV because in real life, I was so far away from him as well. But I was like, I don't know how fast he is. <laughs> he could charge to the cameras and just like one punch, I would die. I would he would kill me and I'd be dead. Um, so yeah, and he was nice after I apologized. He was nice to me and um, he did some more jokes and stuff like that. But um, yeah, that yeah. was my first. I had worse. Jokes in that as well, by the way. Yeah. That was my first one. I was going to get worse. Oh, wow. So I was like, I, like, I got my
0: first one and then just left. I was like,
1: <laughs> that's, that's today's work over. Thank you very much. How yeah. hard
0: was it to go apologise to him? That must have been tough as well. Yeah.
1: Um. Oh, the guy, Stephen McIver, the boxing commentator, he like brokered the deal. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, happened yeah. quite a few times. It was, a um, few sports journalists have been really good to me, eh? Um, yeah. Who's the other guy? He also did the Olympics this year. He's moved to TVNZ. Scotty, yeah, Scotty Stevenson. He launched my career when I first sung to Sonny Bill... He was the. I was at a press conference. I was so nervous. Yeah. He knew I had a novelty question or whatever, and he, he knew I was going to chicken out. And he literally like um, gave me a nudge. Goes go now, go now. Oh, yeah. And he was the one. He like launched. So it's like thanks to those guys for like yeah. you know helping me out. So shout out to Scotty Stevenson.
0: Absolutely. He's, he's a great guy. I love that guy. So you you're still feeling incredibly uncomfortable before you've got to do something like that. You're not yeah. You're not naturally that confident to just. Nah, i um,
1: nah, and the reason is it's changed it's not I don't really care about myself anymore like, I've done so many humiliating things I've like, been to rock bottom you can't get any lower than like you know as I said bombing in front of 100 people in yeah. a stand up gig So um what I what I do feel bad about is ruining other people's day or pissing people and that happens in New Zealand today you know like whether it be I offend an old man who's like really religious or something like that Yeah I don't care like I don't really I kind of think he's full of crap but at the same time, I don't want to ruin his day. Yeah. And I've done that a few times and I feel bad about that. Mm. So it's the same. It's like when I'm singing to Sonny Bill, I wanna do it, I wanna get the joke, but I also don't wanna ruin Sonny Bill's reputation in Japan. I don't want the Japanese people to think that he brought me over, he has nothing to do with yeah, me, yeah, you know, you yeah, know, stuff like yeah. that. So um, yeah, it's it's more pissing off the other people right. than it is pissing off myself. Yeah. And it's
0: yeah. You gotta be pretty careful with the comedic content, don't you?
1: Yeah, a little bit. I mean it's a common thing. I don't think you really do. Um, people now are like t- terrified of cancel culture and stuff like that, but I think I've got a pretty good idea of um, where the line is. And when people say don't do a joke, you can do any joke you want. It's mm. just like you are going to upset some people, yeah. so you just got to know like, is it worth it? Saying like that,
0: risk versus reward.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now we've kind of learned like, hey, it's it's not cool to like joke about people's disabilities or something like that. You know, like you just mm. learn things as you go on. You're like, okay, I'll stop doing that. That makes sense. Yeah. And I just see it as a challenge to find new ways to be um, offensive and shocking. There's, there's other ways you can do it, man. Just um, you, can't, you don't have to be a misogynist or a sexist anymore. There's other things you can do in the world, you know, to branch out. There's plenty of exciting um, frontiers to explore, you know. Oh, oh, I can't wait to get a female on. What a lad. I feel like
2: I'm really... <laughs> you'll, be like, you'll, be doing,
1: you'll be breaking the glass ceiling.
0: Man. I'll be so proud
1: of you when you do that after 100 episodes. <laughs>
0: oh. Okay, We talked about your rugby career. Um, does Guy enjoy drum and bass? No. No. How does New Zealand, do you enjoy drum and bass? I, it wouldn't be my choice of music, no. It's, in New Zealand it's big, right? I guess. I'm not into drugs, I assume
1: you have to, if you're on drugs, oh. the lights and the music and you're just like, whoa.
0: That must be it, I think.
1: Yeah, no, I like pretty much every type of music, but I'd say drum and bass and trance and like stuff, it, it may because I grew up in Nelson, like I can't yeah. listen to like a lot of those bands just because like Munters would play in Nelson growing up, so I kind of got put off that, but um. I'm mainly into, I'd say, hip-hop and pop is mainly what I'm into. Yeah. But um, classic classic rock, yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, definitely no drum and bass, unfortunately. A good classical over drum and bass. I like classical.
0: Fair enough. Okay, shittest town in New Zealand and why granity? <laughs> Granity's
1: not shit. Granity is paradise on earth. Is it? Yeah. If you have a job that you can do from anywhere, go buy a house in Granity for 200 grand yeah. and just enjoy the rest of your life. You know, like um, – I mean, get out of town if there's a hurricane or a flooding or anything like that, because it's <laughs> going to be happening a lot in the coming years. Shittest town in New Zealand. It's a tough one because I, I I try and defend towns. Now like I, I did a story defending Huntley because like yeah. people just shit on towns. It's, it's like generally just what you mean is just poor town. Yeah. But um, I've always hated Blenheim. Finns oh, yeah. up to the Tasman Marco, but <laughs> Blenheim. I hate Blenheim. It's just old people drinking wine. <laughs> No fun there. Um, and Oamaru. I always have beef with Oamaru. They can't pronounce their name. Learn the p- name. pronounce the name of your shit town and then stop coming to my gig so drunk that you can't even understand. Like, Worst crowd I've ever had. Uh-huh. I had this joke where I had a heckler brick yeah. and the idea was that I was a brick and if you're a heckler, I'll brick you with it. It was the joke. Yeah. It's got a heckler brick. And um, I had it on stage and we had a laugh about it and stuff like that. After the show, someone stole my heckler brick. (laughs) They stole a brick. Oh, Māru, what is wrong with you? They have a penguin colony um, where it costs $15 to see the penguins, but the penguins are just outside on the road for free. (laughs) Wake up. It's the worst. It's the worst. Steampunk isn't a thing. Oh, Māru, shittest town in New Zealand.
0: They're my rivals. (laughs) (laughs) Passionate. Passionate, eh? It is passionate. It wasn't Grenadier, okay? Yeah.
1: This is the thing about, no, Granity's beautiful. Granity's, go to Granity. West Coast and South Island is awesome. Racist, sexist, homophobic, like a lot of places to improve, but West Coast and New Zealand is a good time. Honestly, it's the best.
0: The best. Okay, next one. Did you actually lose your virginity in the St. Joseph's Church? Yeah.
1: (laughs) No, no, I didn't. I regret, nah, (laughs) it's not even a yarn, man. I regret even saying that, eh? I feel bad. I went to St. Joseph's Church. I was growing up Catholic. I'm not a really uh, religious at all anymore. But um, it was just a bad joke and uh, I regret making it because I would have hurt the people who, you know, it's one of those jokes going too far. Like everyone who, all the nice people who raised me and stuff (laughs) in the church and stuff feeling bad. So I I do, I I actually, um, I might have deleted that from the YouTube video. I don't even know. Nah, it's still there. Still there? Oh, fuck. (laughs) I, I deleted when I asked my old piano teacher if he, if he um, had sex with my mum. <laughs> I, I felt bad. And um, and I was like, my mum doesn't deserve that. He doesn't deserve that. You know, no one deserves, no one wants to hear that. Um, but I did feel bad about that. Sorry to say I did not have sex. It was more, it was supposed to be a joke about, um, again, see how it gets real, I get real serious. Real fun? Yeah. You must find that weird to in me, eh? you're like, it's jokey, 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 serious. <laughs> the world is a serious place, man. Um I just can't get over the Catholic Church child sex abuse. And I don't know if it was a problem in my community or if it was a problem in Nelson, but it's a problem in a lot of places in New Zealand and all around the world. And it's the church literally, one of the reasons Bill Cosby, people are like, how is Bill Cosby free? One of the reasons he's free is because the statute of limitations in Philadelphia is um, so strict that um, you can only prosecute like a sex crime uh, for like five years and then you can't charge it anymore. And one of the reasons for that being is because the Catholic Church... Because they lobbied the government so hard, because they're quite powerful, yeah. so you can't prosecute priests, and that has the knock-on effect that Bill Cosby can't be brought to justice because the Catholic Church and all their shit. So, um, yeah, just I watch movies like Spotlight and stuff like that, and I go, I yeah, hope. That was... And there was a lot of good people in the Catholic Church that I really liked, and um, uh, the priest who uh, you know grew up with me at school and stuff was great, and I hope they were all, you know, everyone was great. But um, yeah, the Catholic Church freaks me out, man, and uh, I, I, I love—I learned so many great things in that church. But um, also, um, yeah, they need to do more. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Sorry, it's funny how I go serious like that. You, would you
0: do a story on that? No,
1: nah, it's it's too far for me at the moment where I'm at. Like as I said, I try and I try and touch on issues, yeah. and like we've done like blackface <laughs> and stuff like that, yeah, like yeah, things. Yeah. But. Um, uh, sexual abuse is probably uh, too many trigger warnings for people. Uh, it's it, it kind of left to the experts, to yeah. be honest. Like, as I said, commenting on experts and uh, experts for sexual abuse and experts for gangs as well is probably not really my place to butt in there.
0: So, who's the guy who does the. Um, he does go deep into that stuff. He did the tickled documentary. And-
1: yeah, David Farrier. Yeah, yeah. well, he, he he's different. We're, we're, we're kind of like um, mirror opposites where he is a journalist who yeah. kind of verges on comedy. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he would go to like Armageddon. He's like a big. Uh, like pop culture guy as well he'd go to Armageddon and stuff like that so yeah. he'd kind of take the piss Yeah. so he would. he's a, he's a journalist who verged into comedy yeah. and I'm a comedian who verged into journalism oh, yeah, yeah. but we're not really the same but we're a little bit similar and we also look similar Yeah. people often um, uh, the other day in Napier uh a guy was like, hey, I love that movie about the tickling man. And I was like, thanks, man. Come to my show. I talked this guy coming to my show. He thought I was the guy from the tickle documentary. I was like, fuck yeah. Steven Adams also came to my show. That same show, I think. in oh, Napier again. Mate. I ran to Steven Adams. How good that? And, um, oh, it was bad, man. Because it was like my <laughs> – I did two shows that night because my first show sold out. So I was like, I'll do another show. The second show didn't sell out. Yeah. So I was giving him tickets to like a, um, a shitty show in a, a, a small theater. And I felt bad. Like it wasn't that good a show. And afterwards, I like, spoke to him and I was like, hey, he was getting shed on the paper because he won't play for New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, And I was like, don't read about, they're talking about you in the paper, man. And he was, this is after I'd said, hey, I love you, man. So yeah, proud of you yeah, again. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I was like, uh, don't uh, don't listen to what they're saying about you in the papers. And he's like, what are they saying about me in the papers? And I was like, oh shit, you haven't seen this." Nothing but good things, man. Nothing but good things. They were ripping him. But again, I now support if Stephen, if he got screwed over as a kid by Barcelona New Zealand, I can understand why he'd be
0: like, nah, stuff you now. He's a star, you know? Didn't he also have to pay almost like millions to cover his contract or something? Something ridiculous. Yeah, I think insurance for any athlete who's on a big
1: contract early on, but like he would have insurance now. Like all the Australian NBA players play for their country. So I think he probably could. I think he's got beef with Barcelona New Zealand, and I support him and I support Barcelona New Zealand. I hope they can sort it out one day so you could play a couple games for the Tour Blacks, eh? Mm. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. It was cool. Stephen Adams coming to my like, – it's just weird because I was like doing material like, isn't it hard to buy a house? And I was seeing Stephen Adams there going, no, <laughs> my contract is $20 million. Ah, uh, shit. That must be hard. Eh? It must be hard everyone knowing how, that you're rich as well, though, eh? He must have so many dudes from Rotorua and shit going like, uh, hey, can I borrow some money? Like all the time, man. Do you get that? I'm not rich.
2: <laughs> I'm not
1: rich. No one knows how much I earn, but it's not great money. Like, uh, I'm, yeah, but uh, no. And I, you know, I'm come from Nelson. Everyone I grew up with is richer than me, you know, like it's weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, next question. We'll move on. Uh, how much do you love Karen? Karen is an icon. Like, people don't realize, they think she's just like the angry lady from the 20 Wax video, but she is. Um, Genuinely talented. I'm want. i going to do a podcast with her maybe, I think, is the dream. It would be. Because she has opinion on everything. She's very smart. She loves sport. Yeah. Huge, uh, huge sport fan. Probably uh, probably a huge rugby fan as well. She mainly likes cricket. But um, Karen is like a savant. She's good at everything. A little bit like, a little bit like Koei the Rogue, where I'm like, I see this person and I go, this person's so similar to me, just had the complete opposite opportunities. Like mm. Karen, out of school when she's 14, you know, um, uh she she went to i hope she it's probably not my story to tell but um she went to jail for 3 tabs of acid when she was 17 wow that's crazy right like even now you there's no way in New Zealand 3 tabs of acid you go to jail you know you'd they'd probably try and help you out if anything and it's like she went to jail for 3 tabs of acid that's full full noise adult prison as a child, basically. And, um, her life has just been so crazy. Mm. And, um, you realize that like my life has been so lucky in, in comparison. I'm like, man, there's no reason why she shouldn't be a comedian as well. Cause she, um, one of the funniest people I've ever met intentionally and unintentionally, yeah, obviously yeah. like that call. Cool, she wasn't planning on that being comedy, but we used did a live tour <laughs> and, um, People worshipped her. The number of people who are like, "Hey, guy, we don't want a photo with you,
0: yeah. just with Karen." <laughs>
1: Humiliating for me, but um, I understand as well. She's one of like the greatest comedians in New Zealand uh, history. eh? Karen, she's a legend. Yeah.
0: So you've got the New Zealand, New Zealand,
1: New Zealand. Today we did a tour, yeah, tour. live so tour. How, how
0: does that work? You've got the guys who have all been on the show.
1: Yeah, uh, just a couple. I had Josh and Isaac from Martin to um, boys from um, the greatest city in the world, Martin. And uh, I just did an interview with them. We did a rap. Karen gave someone twenty wax. Uh, did questions from the audience. Just. Yeah. Uh, just like a real casual, basically like a like a live podcast in a way, and um, I just realized then that Karen is like a, a savant, and uh, I love her, and New Zealand loves her as well because she um, she gets uh, she gets she gets shit done. A little bit sexist sometimes. <laughs> she always refers to um, how ugly Paula Bennett is, and you are like
0: Karen, like you can't, oh, just oh, God. it's like
1: oh yeah, it's just you you can't keep her on track. But yeah. she's, uh, she's 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 I love Karen. Yeah, she's the best.
0: Is that tour still going?
1: Uh, no, we stopped. We uh, I had a show in Wellington, cancelled twice, mm. and I was like, okay, we'll try again next year. Yeah. Um, because of COVID, I got sick one time, so I had to get a test, and the other time, um, because the lockdown happened. But um, nah, still, uh, uh, still, uh, uh, hopefully next year we'll go bigger and better and go to more small towns. Come to Nelson with uh, uh, oh. not in the New Zealand. Nelson's not a small town; it's a metropolis.
0: That would be good. That would sell out. Sure. Come to Marpura.
1: Right? Come to the Playhouse. You got a theater out here? Yep, Playhouse yep. Theater.
0: Guy C- Williams at the Playhouse. Yeah, right? it's the dream. That would be the dream. Yeah. I, and oh, you could get, um, is it Nanga from across the... Oh, Nanga. The
1: absolute legend. Absolute legend, Nanga. People don't realise this with Nanga. A little bit behind the scenes from that. He cut his foot. We got a shot at the end where we were frolicking na- naked on a beach. <laughs> Long story, if you haven't, um, if you haven't seen the clip. Basically, we were, we were riding the rainbow serpent, which is his penis. It makes sense, all right. And we rode the rainbow serpent to the fourth dimension, to the twenty fourth dimension, and we were in heaven. But you know, for filming, we didn't actually go to heaven. We just were frolicking on the beach. Yeah. But we we're at Golden Bay. It was the end of the day. We just had to go shoot the shot real quick, and. Um, I was like, "Can we get to that beach over there?" And He's like, "Yeah, man, just wade through the water." So he said it was a good idea. He's the local. I did not know. Yeah. The ground was like all <laughs> shellfish. It was like knives, like cutting our feet. And his foot got slashed open. And so when you see us frolicking naked on the beach for like three seconds, he did it with blood gushing out his feet. He's the the toughest guy. I wouldn't be able to do it. I would. I would have just. I would have collapsed. And um, we got him back there. We got the ambulance. And he didn't, because he's like new, he's like weird hippie guy. He didn't want to go with the, he didn't want to go to the doctor and get drugs and get stitched up and yeah. stuff like that. And he had his like mate come and give him UV rays and got some <laughs> berries rubbed into it. And I was like, Golden Bay, wake up. But Nanga is, yeah, again, a, an absolute legend. And again, a lovely, like he's eccentric. Yeah. But I genuinely also think he's a genius. I actually, You actually raise a good point. When I was there, I regret I didn't buy one of his works of art. Mm. He had like um, he does like the UV one, the, the one with his
0: penis out. Yeah,
1: I'm not doing the one with his penis out. I'm not going to put that in the lounge. <laughs> no, nah, it seems like a, yeah. So yeah, he had one with his penis out. I understand. He drew he drew um he drew a, a picture of like Jesus going through to God, and he was in there and he had his dick, big dick. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is that outside of that room where he was doing UV like glow in the dark paintings, he just did normal paintings. He did landscapes oh, and agree. like um like portraits of like um indigenous Australian people and stuff. And he's actually like a genius like he's so good at he does every type of art and he's so good at all of it and um yeah i want to buy a painting and now now i'm in the region i should i actually owe it to him to go back there and buy something although last i heard he was like um protesting outside the hospital because because they were having uh, vaccines or modern medicine i don't know what his problem was but um he's he's got some weird views but shout out to nanga all love i love you man and um Get the vaccine, please. God damn it, Nanga. (laughs) Okay,
0: last question. This has been good, but one piece of advice you could give any person.
1: Uh, Life's a joke. Feel the vibes. Um, Be be nice to people. I'm not always nice to people, so I don't even live to that. (laughs) Help others. That was it. The meaning of life, right? Help others. Help others. Yeah. I don't know if i got good advice. Should anyone be taking advice from me? I don't know.
0: Oh, I think you might. You, you, you're pretty deep. I mean, you've had some good advice throughout the podcast.
1: Believe in yourself. Love <laughs> others. Don't be a dick. Don't be racist, sexist, homophobic or any other that <laughs> bullshit. Love you.
0: <laughs> oh, mate. The best piece of advice we've had on.
1: Thanks mate. for having me on the pod, man.
0: I really appreciate you having on the, coming on the podcast. It's been cool watching your journey from a, as a young Nelson College lad, watching you go through... Um, the ranks through all those successes I've said at the start of the podcast. Back at
1: you, bro. You're the first uh, Nelson College boy I saw ever in Super Rugby, I think, uh, as far as I know. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it was awesome to follow you too. And, yeah, good to have a um, proper chat, man. Mate, appreciate
0: you coming out to the Mapua studio and <laughs> coming on the podcast. <laughs> what, a,
1: what a privilege. Love Mapua.
0: Mate, you're a lad. Thanks, mate. What a lad, what a lad,
2: what a lad, what a lad.